Welcome aboard the Great Movie Podcast. I'm Becca. And I'm Katie. And we'll be your guides through this magical journey into the movies. Please keep all arms, hands, feet, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. And don't forget to supervise your children. Alrighty, it's the day everyone's been waiting for. Today we're going to be talking about the movie Moana. Woo! Moana, yes. Moana, Moana. Uh, I was so, so amazing. Ex- yeah, I was so excited for this, but I do think that like because it's a movie that I've seen more times than some of the other ones we've done, it's like watching it was less exciting for me. That's you know? true. That's true. I was going to try to watch it three times for the podcast, and I watched it basically one time. I put it on again to watch it a second time, but I wasn't. I didn't take any notes. I took one note, and I didn't. wasn't really paying attention that much, so I kind of just really watched it one time, so I agree. Yeah, it kind of was harder to, like, sit and actually, like, watch it instead of, like, being on my phone, you know, while the movie was on in the background. Just because it is a newer one, so I've seen it, like, I've seen it more recently, and I've seen it multiple times. Yeah, it was hard to take notes, and then especially the second time, I felt like I was being overly critical of the movie. I kept finding, like, these really tiny things that... I just didn't care for or actually actively disliked. And then I was like, that's being really unfair to nitpick just very specific, you know, I can't even really remember exactly what it was because I didn't take notes because I was like, I I knew I was being unfair. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, first we're going to have our mousekeeping. So do you have anything, Kay? I just have one quick note. I don't think so. Okay, my only note is, I know we mentioned this, I believe it was the first or second podcast about a Spotify playlist, and then I kind of forgot about it for a while, but I remembered it. So we are making a Spotify playlist called The Great Movie Playlist, and it's made by the Great Movie Podcast account. So if you just search Great Movie Playlist, hopefully it should come up, because I think we're on Spotify, right? The podcast itself. Mm-hmm. So, so you might... It might be confusing if you type in great movie podcast. But anyway, um, so what I've done with that is any of the music from the movies we've already done the uh, an episode on, you can find our favorite songs from that. So it's not very many songs right now, but basically what's on there is um, the music we said are our favorite songs from our very first episode, our intro episode. I've included those. I've included... Uh, songs that we said we liked from any of the other episodes so it should be up to date after today with all um snow white onward dinosaur cars three and moana so and i just picked any jams that i really liked or i think specifically for snow white i said there were only two songs i liked so i only included (laughs) those and i didn't include any other so it's just the best of disney music playlist basically is what it's gonna be yeah, it might be a pretty Moana heavy at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but there's, I did, even though Dinosaur is just the score, I, I, you know, if you remember that episode, that I really, really liked some of the music in there. So I did include two of the score songs that I think are jams. Uh, Cars 3, I included like one or two songs. There's like a soundtrack, but I didn't really like all of it. Uh, Snow White, I think there's two songs on there, and Onward is just the one song at the end that they play over the credits that I really like. So yeah, I think 
Um, we'll have to stay tuned to see how much of the Moana soundtrack it makes it on there, but it might be the whole thing. So, so I think it'll be, yeah, you know, half Moana, half other stuff basically (laughs) at this point. Yeah. So speaking of Moana, let's go ahead and dive into our fact file. So first it was released on November 23rd, 2016. So I was a... Almost into my second semester of my freshman year of college. <laughs> so long ago. Oh my god. I'm dating myself. Um, the rating for Moana was PG. <laughs> um, we're going to include the rating now that we've kind of had multiple discussions about ratings of Disney <laughs> movies. So it was PG for peril, some scary images, and beef, brief thematic elements. Um, which I guess I can see, like, Te Ka is, like, kind of scary. I could see that kind of being the thing that kind of bumped it to PG. I was thinking more of Lalotai because that thing mm. with the multiple arms and the mask is actually terrifying. Like, when, that thing gives me, I'm glad they did not linger on it because it's, like, nightmare fuel, that, whatever that monster is. I just wish, it's so funny to me the way that they decide ratings. I literally still have no idea what brief thematic elements. I think it's just yeah. a catch-all for like yeah. we think this should be PG and not G, but like not for any specific reason. So, yeah, I wish they would like be very specific, like this moment. But I guess like that's kind of not the point, you know? Yeah, I know. I can say them see them just being like the theme of this movie is darker and scarier, especially especially when we're talking about the difference between like G and PG. I feel like that's can be pretty arbitrary. Maybe when you get up to more like PG thirteen versus R, that can be make maybe like a little bit more specific. But moving on to the cast, so. I'm gonna try my best for some of these names, and I probably will still not get it right. It's like phonetically spelled out here, but I still probably won't say it correctly. So, do you want me to say it? I watched a couple videos. Okay, maybe you say it. Yeah, the voice of Moana is Ali'i Cravayo. Is how she says her name. I I watched her pronounce it because I think you know. I, I know we say the whole thing about, like, oh, we're going to try to pronounce them correctly, but I really wanted to be careful and make sure I, we pronounced it correctly because I think that's, you know, important for non-American names. So, anyway, Ali'i Cravayo is how she says her name. Okay. So, not it's not uh, too bad. It's not, not no. it looks scarier than how you say it. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then Dwayne The Rock Johnson is the voice of Maui. I don't know about, like, anybody else, but I can literally not say Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> J- Dwayne Johnson. I have to say Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And I think it's because of if it's, like, right kind of, like, peak Disney Channel is when Journey to Witch the Mountain. The game plan. Oh, no, I think Journey to Witch Mountain was kind of coming out. And so, like, in yeah. all of, like, the previews and commercials for it, it was, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And so, like, that's just, like, I didn't know him as anybody other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, that's how he markets his name. Also, I just, I feel like I normally just call him The Rock. I don't say mm. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But it does, I do agree, <laughs> it does sound strange to just say Dwayne Johnson. So. Yeah. Um... Then Rachel House is the voice of Grandma Tala. And I actually found this out 
like a couple weeks ago or like a month ago that she's like um one of the guards in Thor Ragnarok like Jeff Goldblum's kind of like main guard and it was I think it was a TikTok and it was like so you're telling me that these two people are playing (laughs) the same person um and then also recently within Disney as well um she was the voice of Terry in Soul so it has that kind of like New Zealand accent Mm-hmm. Terry's the one that is trying to reconcile the numbers, like the accounting um, yeah. <laughs> deity, or I don't know what they're called. But anyway, I thought yeah. that was really funny. And then Tamara Morrison is the voice of Chief Tui, which if you aren't a big Star Wars fan, um, he's the voice, or he played Boba Fett. No, he played Jenga Fett in the prequels. Yeah. Um, and then also he's playing... Boba Fett now in yeah. the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, and then and I, the singing voice of Chief... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, and I think he, in one of the many re-released versions of the mm. original trilogy, I think he re-voiced over the voice of Boba Fett in... Yeah, yeah, that's In Return right. of the Jedi, yeah. Um, and then the singing voice of Chief Tui is Chris Jackson, who is from... Hamilton, if you've seen that, he plays George Washington and, like, is one of Lin-Manuel Miranda's, like, faves. Like, he was in In the Heights, too, I believe. You're right. You're right. He plays Benny, I think is the character's name. It's interesting. This is actually one of the, I think, the first instance of a different voice and singing voice um, since Mulan in a Disney movie. Interesting. Um, and then Jermaine Clement is the voice of Tomatoa, who we'll talk about him later and maybe the song Shiny later because I have some thoughts about it. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you have thoughts about Shiny. That's the song I think I spent the most time thinking about when we were, mm. even before I rewatched the movie, like when this first came out, I was thinking about music and rating the music and I was like, ooh, Shiny. Yeah, I have, I have feelings about it. Um, and then this is another one. This I feel like I should know how to pronounce, but I I've never heard. Oh, do you want me to do it? Spoken aloud before? No, I'm not trying oh. it. Okay. Um, Nicole Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Scherzinger. It's easier than that. Scherzinger. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, I don't think I've literally ever heard that name. Really? Um, said out loud? No. Um, she's the voice of Sina, who or Sina. Who's I don't the think mother. they ever say her name in the movie. Yeah, I was gonna so. say I don't know if they've ever that they ever say her name, but she's the Moana's mother. And then Alan Tudyk voices <laughs> the icon. Which, like I don't like. Does he make the chicken noises? I assume. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah. And then he voices just villager number three in the background, and then a voice cameo in the movie is Troy Palomalu, who is slash was an NFL player. I know he played for the Steelers for a little bit. Um, and he's got like beautiful hair. He's like he's been in head and shoulders commercials before. Yeah. Um, but kind of a lot if you don't know, Disney, I think in my opinion, take again as a white woman's opinion, take of that what you will, mm-hmm. take it with a grain of salt. I think they did a really good job um getting the cast of this movie. They were really intentional in picking who voiced characters trying to keep people of like Polynesian mm-hmm. descent and that's part of the reason that Troy Polamalu made a voice cameo yeah I have n- I have notes about this in various trivia categories later 
But I think Alan Tudyk is the only one not of Polynesian or South Pacific heritage or descent. Um, but it's interesting. Alan Tudyk, I think this is like his fifth Disney movie in a row mm. or something like that. Yeah. So he's kind of turning into the um, uh, John Ratzenberger version well, of Disney. Jermaine Clement, maybe? Is he from Polynesian descent? He's he's from New Zealand. I don't know if he has... Oh, that's right. That's right. But he, he is definitely... Uh, to me, he looks white. I don't know anything mm. about his heritage, um, but he looks more white than a lot of the other characters. But he, I think he is from New Zealand, so. <laughs> I'm looking at his Wikipedia page, and one of the categories is other names, and one of them is Hip Hop Amod. Hip Hop hippopotamus but with hip hopitomotomus or something what? i can't even say it it's hip hop optimot i can't say it anyways and and mad dog are his other names what? that he's known by oh my god i can't oh my gosh i can't okay okay so he um he was raised by a Maori, is that how you say it? Maori. Mother. Maori mother and a, in the Wairarapa region with his brothers and attended a Macquarie College. So. Oh, and he met Taika Waititi in college. Oh my God. They both studied film, drama and film at at Victoria University of Wellington. Wow. Well, this is... Uh, spoiler alert, this is not the only Taika Waititi mention in this episode, so stay tuned for that. Um, but moving through the fact file, the next uh, piece of info I have is directors. So this was directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, and avid Disney fans may recognize these voices. They're kind of iconic, I would say, like legendary directors of Disney movies. They're, um, and they, I think, only direct together. So, in case you are not a super into Disney directors, here's some of the movies they've directed together. The Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules, Treasure Planet, and Princess and the Frog. So. Wow. Yeah. Pretty... Some good ones, some bad ones, some iconic ones. Some, some bad ones. Forgotten ones. I don't, say, I don't think there's ones. any bad ones in there. I think there's less appreciated ones in there. I mean, I, mean, I would I put like, like. Treasure Planet. I like it's Treasure Planet. I like Treasure Planet. I love Great Mouth Detective on the other I don't, hand. See, I don't love that. I would put that at the bottom of the pile for me. But but anyway, they're pretty iconic directing duo for sure. There also were two other co-directors, Don Hall and Chris Williams. I didn't look up anything mm-hmm. about that, but I think they said – I think I read that this was either their first or their first in a while that they had, like, other co-directors that had co-directing credits. Um I included a new section in this as well, music. I think for all of the Disney movies where music is a category that we rate on, I'm going to talk about the music team. So whether that's composer, lyricist, whatever. Um, So obviously Lin-Manuel Miranda did the music for this. But it's interesting, before I looked into this, I kind of thought he was really the only one. Not that he's the only one, because I don't think anything at this level is not a collaboration but I kind of he was the only one that I knew of that did the music but actually it was really more of a collaborative team between him and then Opatia 
um, Fowai. I'm not sure if the that's how you pronounce his last name, but I do know how Opatia is how you pronounce his first name. And then Mark Mancina. So Mark Mancina has done music um, composing for Lion King. He wasn't the principal composer because um, I believe that was Hans Zimmer. Um, Tarzan, and then also Lion King Broadway. So some pretty, you know, high up there in terms of music, movies, like, those are amazing. Um, and Mark Mancino was more of the composer and the score element, but in a couple of the behind the scenes videos I watched, which were a lot of them talked about the music and the writing of the music, it makes it seem like it really was a collaborative team effort between all three of them. And then Opatayo was brought on um, for his experience. He's Samoan and his mm-hmm. he um, has won a couple awards for his like traditional music. And so he kind of took the lead on making sure the music was um, culturally appropriate and um, like Really, he said one of his main goals was to celebrate his culture in this movie. And he's the one that brought in a lot of like the drum beats and the vocals and um, the lyrics. If you're wondering what language they're in, it is Samoan. And I have some translations of some of the lyrics later on. I'm um, just because I find that really interesting because have you ever read what the Lion King lyrics are? I believe, is it Swahili? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And people make fun of it because it sounds so cool, but it's literally like here comes a lion, there is yeah. a lion, or something like really silly. So I was really interested to learn what the um, Samoan lyrics translated to in English, and so Opatia wrote those, so I have that later. But anyway, I I really enjoyed learning about the writing of the music. It seemed like it was an amazing time for all three of them. And again, um, just a just a quick reminder, we're going to upload the sources document so you can find Moana at the bottom of that document. It has quite a few videos and a couple articles that I used to find um, trivia and other supporting um, uh, notes for this podcast. So definitely check that out. I'll try to like put the ones that I talk about specifically at the top. Like there's going to be um, a couple videos that I reference specifically later. But moving on to budget and box office, the estimated budget of the movie is $150 million. The U.S. gross was um, just under $250 million. So it almost, du- almost doubled, but not quite its budget just in the U.S. alone. And then its worldwide gross was just under $650 million. So if we compare that to Cars 3, I don't... I believe Cars 3 didn't make back its budget in the U.S. alone. I think it did Mm. in the worldwide. So you can even kind of compare, like, this movie, I think you could call a pretty good success. Um, Yeah, I I feel like if you can make back your budget, probably, like, especially for high-budget movies, like animated movies or, like, high-action, like, superhero movies, if you can make that back in just the U.S., like, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So the Rotten Tomatoes score is a 95% and then the audience score is an 89%, which I think is is interesting that the uh, the critic score is higher than the audience score. Um, I thought that was interesting as well. And I think it'll be interesting to like kind of keep track of which is higher as we go 
throughout the list um because it seems like a not that it's like a people pleaser movie but it is like such a fun like the music is so good and not saying like critics don't take that into consideration um but it's just interesting I would not have guessed that if you had asked me before same I was just gonna say if you had asked me before to guess if audience or critic score would was higher I think I would have guessed audience because I feel like it was a pretty successful movie um yeah yeah for sure um, and then, so it was nominated for the best animated movie at the Oscars and like probably just like throughout award season, if I remember correctly, it was mm-hmm. nominated for best animated Zootopia won at the Oscars, um, which I do love Zootopia as well. So I might support Zootopia winning over Moana, but that is a really hard decision. I know. And then it was nominated for best original song as well throughout award season and specifically at the Oscars. And then La La Land won at the Oscars, which I don't know. I haven't seen La La Land, so I can't. (laughs) Yeah. Probably how far you'll how far I'll go would be my oh, guess. Yeah, but I, I meant the La La Land song. I don't know what oh, song okay. that was. But this was no interesting. So a couple other notes here. The this was the first year since like two thousand two, I believe, that Disney had two animated movies come out in the same year. Oh wow. So there had been some years with one Disney and one Pixar, but I think and I believe two thousand two, um don't quote me on this and it's easy to look up, but I believe it was Lilo and Stitch and Treasure Planet were the two that oh. came out that year. So anyway, it's just unfortunate, I believe, I think for Moana, I can understand why Zootopia won, but I'd be interested to see what that critic score is on Rotten Tomatoes, because 95 is pretty high. Um, And then I, this is such an infamous Oscars, it's the one where La La Land was announced as the winner, but Moonlight actually won. I'm sure everyone remembers that. My biggest thing that I remember from last night, or from last night, from that night, is that I did not see that. So... Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda was nominated for the original song, of course, because he wrote How Far I'll Go, and he was going for his EGOT. I believe at that point he had already Mm. won an Emmy, a Grammy, and a Tony, or at least two of them, but I think it was all three, and so this was gonna be the EGOT for him, and it was gonna be, like, the youngest or the second youngest ever, and so I just remember that's the one category I really cared about. I loved Moana. I loved Lin-Manuel at the time. And, you know, Hamilton had been out at that point. And I was, like, really cheering for him to win. And he lost. And I remember being so upset. I turned it off and I went to bed. And I was like, it's almost because I think original song, I don't know if they do the same order every year, but it's, like, towards the end. And so I was like, there's only, like, two or three more categories to go. Nothing else interesting is going to happen. And then I turned it off, and then I remember I woke up the next day, and I was like, oh, my God, I missed one of the most, like, memorable moments in Oscar history ever because I was so mad that Lynn lost. Anyway, that's just my little. I'm pretty sure I remember watching it live. But, like, I can't remember whether I, like, actually watched it live or I was just, like, on social media live as it was happening. Because, like, yeah, mm, yeah, there yeah. were just so many videos and, like, gifts and, like, tweets about it that I might have just been, like, on my phone when it was happening. <laughs> and so it feels like I was there and watched it. But yeah. I also feel like we at least watched part of it because, like I said earlier, this was, like, it would have been, like, March yeah right March is like March of my freshman year so like we would I remember like we at least watch part of it like in my dorm room with my friends I definitely remember this specifically because I forgot to mention this I started listening to Hamilton like 
beginning of 2017. So March mm. of 2017 or late February, whenever the Oscars was, would have been like right after I started listening to it and was like so obsessed. I probably didn't even know all the lyrics yeah. at that point because I hadn't been listening <laughs> to it for that long. But I do remember like be- like I was starting to stand Lin-Manuel Miranda. So I was so mad when he did not win. Yeah. Um, and then for sequels, remakes, spinoffs, and just other surrounding media, there was a TV show announced at this past Investor Day, like when so many things were <laughs> announced. So I don't, I don't believe there were kind of years attached to a lot of the things that they announced, um, mm-hmm. like especially kind of the Disney Plus exclusive stuff, not so much like the blockbuster movies. I think those were more likely to have years, but um, I'm excited for that. I don't think there's been any information about what it's going to be at all, but yeah. I'm excited. I was going to say, don't we just have a title and know the show is coming and that's pretty much it? There's yeah. no... Well, because it was in one of those where they announced like four shows together. Yeah. Or yeah. like it and then so yeah but I'm excited yeah for sure me too it'll be interesting to see what just even when the show takes place like I know the Tangled show I haven't watched but I know a little bit about it is interesting because it's um like the timeline isn't it in between some stuff in the movie or something like mm. that oh I, I, I should know this but I don't I, or it's like in between the when the movie ends and like before they get married or something like that in the short that they have Mm. but anyway it'll just be interesting because it's going to be before the movie after the movie during the movie I just even would want to know that and there's not even that information so um lastly in our fact file we have story origin and making of the movie so the story is loosely slash not so loosely based on Polynesian legends and history um two things that I want to pick out specifically and then we'll move on because this you could like have a whole podcast episode on this I think but basically the two things that kind of people talk about the most with this is um obviously it's based on some specific myths about Maui and the creation of like the Hawaiian Islands and different islands in the South Pacific and it is pretty widely agreed between many different like Polynesian cultures and islands that he that Maui did use his fish hook to pull up islands Um, It's hard to say how accurate these myths are to, like, actual myths people believe or actual, like, belief systems of people because um, many different Polynesian and South Pacific Island cultures have slightly different um, beliefs about Maui. So, you know, it's just hard to say for sure. And and I, I think you can kind of see in the movie they drew on, they didn't draw on like one specific place, they drew on many different places. Um, and the song specifically You're Welcome highlights a lot of these myths and kind of tells like what many cultures believe Maui to be responsible for. Another really interesting um, thing that the movie highlights is the voyaging history of the people of the South Pacific, which... Um, One article I read about the movie and how it presents the people of the South Pacific said is like one of the greatest adventure stories in history. And as a an anthropologist um, who does not focus on the South Pacific, but, you know, I've heard some of my professors did and um, I've heard some stuff. It what the people of that um, area of the world did was kind of nothing short of amazing in their voyaging and discovery of all the islands and their population of all those islands in a very short time. So I think the movie does a pretty good job of telling that story. But specifically, 
one thing that the story addresses is what's called the long pause or the great pause, which was this like long period of time where the people of Polynesia didn't voyage and colonize islands and no one knows exactly why that happened. So basically, Western Polynesia, the islands closest to Australia and New Guinea, were colonized around 3,500 years ago. But the islands of Central and Eastern Polynesia weren't settled until 15 to 500 years ago. So like almost 2,000 years that like there was no voyaging and exploration. Again, for no discernible reason that like researchers have or anthropologists have been able to discover. So um, that means that after uh, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, um, were colonized, there was a break of almost 2,000 years before voyaging again and discovering more of those islands in the central and eastern Polynesia. So in the movie, I think it's really interesting they kind of solve this mystery or like address this myth as like the um, the heart being stolen from Tefiti and Teka and like the life draining out of the islands and that causing all the monsters to come out of the sea and so no one could voyage they um, lock up the canoes and it's taboo for them to leave the island as Chief Tui kind of represents that in the movie Tu Moana. And it's interesting that, so the only like major difference would be the timeline. So in in historical accuracy, probably it was longer. It was about 2,000 to 2,500 years. But in the movie, I think they say a couple times they mention 1,000 years. Um, since they voyaged so anyway I thought that was really interesting and I love that um, that's in there for people that are um, you know aware of the scholarly research out there to kind of um, that fits nicely into a kids movie too yeah that's really interesting I didn't know any of that so that adds a new layer to the movie it does and there's like I said there's a lot about like the history of um Polynesian sailing and um culture their culture of like voyaging and exploration obviously that I presented in here but like I said I think that could be a whole nother podcast but um personally and not even just personally but from what I've read that's one of the things that um native Polynesian people appreciate most about the movie is that it's a celebration of their like historical their their people's achievements their ancestors achievements so I thought that was really really nice all righty moving along to personal connections um I don't have too much on this because um I think the most fun ones are gonna be ones that either came out when we were kids or that we can remember um seeing for the first time when we're kids but I do have a couple specific things Uh, I definitely remember this movie like having so much hype or like myself being so hyped for this movie I for sure like was counting down the days for it to be out in theaters I know I saw it in theaters I don't know if I saw it like opening weekend um it came out around Thanksgiving so do you remember Kay if you were home or not I don't I know I went home freshman year yeah um and it's definitely possible that I watched it that Thanksgiving because a couple of my friends from high school like I I could see myself going like I definitely yeah. saw Finding Dory with like this yeah. group of friends so I could have seen it then so if not it was either Thanksgiving or winter break would yeah. be my guess because I just wish I, I could think specifically I watched any movies in theaters like at school my freshman yeah. year because oh the closest movie theater with movie theater was like far away and yeah I just wish I could specifically remember seeing it in theaters like I do I yeah. there's one movie that came out. So, it's Coco, that I have specific <laughs> memories of seeing it in theaters. 
and I kind of get these confused because I remember being really excited for both of them. They're both about principally non-white cultures and um, they came out one year back to back. Um, so I, I'm trying to like make sure I'm distinct in my head, the different, the like theater going experience. So I'm pretty sure what I'm remembering is Coco. And so I don't, therefore I, I just don't really remember. But I remember this was before I had my ban on watching all trailers. So I remember watching every single trailer for this. Um, I remember the bonus features that came out specifically. I remember Disney like advertising and highlighting and like putting a huge emphasis on the finding of Ali E. Sorry. Ali E. Cravayo as the voice of Moana. Um, and like the whole like. I think there were either trailers or bonus features they showed on TV about, like, um, trying to find the voice of Moana and, like, the audition process and stuff. So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of personal connection just because it is, like, a newer one. Um, I definitely, like I said, I'm pretty sure, like, 90% sure I watched this in theaters. So, it was either when I came home for Thanksgiving or when I came home for winter break would be my guess. Um and I mean, I remember this soundtrack being like, like that was my shower, like my mm. shower songs was yeah. the, like, was a soundtrack for like quite a while. I'm sure the people in my dorm just absolutely loved it because we had like shared towers <laughs> and then like we would like, we would each bring in like a speaker, like I would bring in a speaker into the shower to listen to when I showered, um, into the shared bathrooms, but you know. So yeah, I mean, I'd say a lot of the personal connections I have with this is like the soundtrack more than the movie specifically, because like Mm. I said, that soundtrack was like what I listened to for quite a long period of time my freshman year of college. Yeah, I don't think I listened to this one quite as much as I did to Frozen, but I remember Mm. the anticipation levels kind of being the same. I remember just like being excited for another quote-unquote Disney princess movie, and um, I just... I'm always excited when they, like, for these more modern takes on, on quote-unquote Disney princesses, um, just because some of the, especially, like, the really old ones don't leave such a great, like, taste in my mouth. You know, they're not the best, um, representation, but anyway, I, yeah, I just remember being so excited. Um, it's been my shower music for the last month now (laughs) since we've decided (laughs) we were gonna do this episode because I wanted to get back into the music and it's, it has not been hard to um get really excited to listen to the music so um moving along Mm. i'll talk about inspirational quotes from the movie um again this quote book that we have uh is from (laughs) 1999 so moana's not in there but exciting announcement i should have put this in mousekeeping i found a new quote book um that disney uh from the disney store so um hopefully we should be getting that soon and i'll be so excited to um see i'm i I don't know when it was published, but I'm assuming it's a relatively recently, so hopefully movies like Moana are in there. Um, but quotes that I picked, I thought this was going to be really easy, but I didn't um, remember to think about quotes when I was watching the movie, so I just went and like looked up the quotes they have on IMDb, and I actually didn't find that many that I thought were really good and I was kind of surprised so sorry if this um section is not as good as it normally is but a couple of them are from songs which I find the songs to be really inspirational in this movie so 
The first one is from Moana when she's singing to Teka slash Tafiti at the end, and she says, they have stolen the heart from inside you, but this does not define you. I really liked that. And then another quote also from a song, this is from the reprise, reprise, I'm not sure how you say that word, of, um, I don't even know what you would call it, but anyway, it's we like a, sh- way. I guess, yeah, it's like a short segment after Grandma Tala comes and like her spirit reminds her before she goes and she realizes she can return the heart herself it doesn't have to be Maui so she says I know the way I am Moana and the way she sings that is like so good yeah and then on the last one is from Grandma Tala and I don't remember exactly when in the movie she says this I think maybe when she's like about to die and she's encouraging Moana to leave um or it could be at that ending scene that I just mentioned. Um, she says, there is nowhere you could go that I won't be with you. So, some good stuff That gives there. me very much like a Grandmother Willow vibes, that quote. <laughs> um, thank you for bringing that up. I actually talk about this and why Moana's canceled. I talk about the okay. parallels to Pocahontas because mm. I never thought about it before. But for some reason, when I was watching it for the podcast, I couldn't stop making comparisons to Pocahontas. So huh, interesting. Yeah. So for do we have the VHS or DVD version of this movie? Apparently we do. I did not know this. This is information to me. <laughs> yeah, we definitely have So the I assume DVD. the DVD version. <laughs> No, yeah, we have the VHS of Moana. No. Yeah. No, we we have the DVD. We do. Interesting. And moving right along to first overall impressions or things you didn't remember. Again, for newer movies, this is going to be less information or less takes or whatever, less opinions. Um, but I have a couple things. First, um, my first overall impression before we even watched the movie was how excited I was to talk about this movie. Um, and then a couple things I did remember, there actually were a few, or like, I really just have one, I guess. I, I love that Disney pokes fun at themselves in the movie a little bit with the bit about, um, Maui calling Moana a princess and she says, no, I'm not a princess. And then he says, you are wearing a dress and you have an animal sidekick. Even if you're the daughter of the chief, like, you're a princess. I thought that was, like, really funny. Kind of making fun of the Disney princess trope. And then, like, Maui says this, and it makes me laugh every time. If you start singing, I'm going to be sick. When he, like, breaks out into song himself earlier in the movie. So it's like, what? I also think it's funny, because we were talking about the definitions of, like, a musical, like, breaking out into song and, like, not addressing it or, like, you know, and not being a song in universe or whatever, but there is one in universe song which is shiny because if you pay attention, he's like, I'm gonna talk about she, Moana, uh, Moana's like, I, I'm trying to distract him, he, and then Tomato's like, I'm, are you trying to distract me so I talk about myself? He's like, cause it's working, I'll gladly do so in song form, and then he breaks onto song. So I thought that was funny, but that's all I have for for this. Yeah, I mean, kind of like Rebecca, I was really excited to watch this movie, but then, like, kind of as it started, I was like, oh, like, I already know everything that, like, I know this movie so well that, like, it was very hard for me to pay attention, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and maybe one thing, this kind of just made me think of it, maybe I should add this in the personal connections, but it must have been oh, maybe that, like, winter break after the movie came mm. out. 
I was, we drove up to New York because like we have family in New York, probably to visit you, honestly, and like the cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I don't think you were in the car for this. We were driving up there and for some reason, our brother David had decided that he was going to like learn all of the words to you're welcome. He like was going to learn every single word or I don't know if this like happened organically or if he decided this is what was going to happen. So we listened to that song so many times. And then David sang that song so many times, just that like whole trip. And like, there was to a point where like, we just sang it without music. Like we knew all of the words so well that we just like sang it without music in the car. That's so great. So yeah, maybe I bet maybe that should have been in my personal connection, but I just thought of it just remembered it now that's okay so as long as you put it in there somewhere that's a great story also I know like (laughs) family and friends that are listening um I think it's become common knowledge that we bring everyone up most episodes so if you're counting (laughs) at home that's one mention for our brother we haven't mentioned anyone else yet so if you're playing along at home just keep listening but I I I think I was not up in New York at the time I think I was working Mm. over that break and that's Mm. why I couldn't come up but I have to admit, I did the exact same thing. I was determined to learn all the words to your welcome. It's not that hard, but it definitely takes a little bit more practice than some of the more traditional, like, Disney ballads. Um, so, I, yeah. I, yeah, I definitely did the same thing as David. I listened to it over and over again, and now I can spit the lyrics uh, like nothing. Yeah. So, yeah. it did take me a couple times, because re- I hadn't listened to the soundtrack in quite some time. So, I did have to listen to it a few times before I got it again, but... Um, I did, so proud of myself. Yeah, it's a good song. I think that's another one that kind of like that and shiny, kind of hinting at my shiny takes later. Those two songs, like people like the least from kind of the people don't I like your welcome. I think so. Oh my god, no! I think it, like I think people think it's like goofy. Um, um I'm obsessed with like your welcome. Dwayne, but, like, and he's not, like, the best singer, no, obviously. but you don't, it's like, so, he's, like, talk know. singing, which is fine to me. It fits the character, yeah. and it's not bad. Yeah. If it's done poorly, I would say it. I, I, th- I think Your Welcome is, like, my, maybe my favorite. <laughs> I mean. It's good. I mean, I, like I think every Disney movie needs to have a rap song from now on. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> um, but, I mean, if you know me, you know my opinions on Hamilton. I'm obsessed and I think, especially in that song, you can see the similarities and, like, parallels with Lynn's writing. So I just think it's – ta- I want to save a lot of this for music because I, I address them a bit. But, all right, we're going to move on to movie trivia. So just general trivia first. I, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the characters and people. So we've already talked about Ali'i Cravayo a little bit, but she is native Hawaiian. And specifically, they only looked exclusively at those of Pacific Island descent um, for Moana. And uh, they auditioned hundreds of girls for the part. And one I thought was interesting, I had read this on somewhere else and then I read it again on the IMDb trivia so I wanted to include it one of the members of Fifth Harmony um who I didn't even realize she was like of Polynesian or Pacific Island descent uh Dinah Jane um also auditioned for Moana so I thought that was interesting um Hmm. and one of the cool stories about Ali'i and getting the part of Moana she apparently was the last to audition I don't know if I buy that also if 
you knew they were going to cast her, like, obviously, like, if they liked her as Mm -hmm. much as they said they did, they wouldn't keep auditioning people after they found her, is, you know, basically. Anyway, um, but one of the best stories about this is the directors actually played a prank on her. When they told her she got the part, what they did was they had already decided to give her the part, but they told her they needed, like, another callback audition. And in this, um, it was, like, a Zoom Skype thing um, because she was in Hawaii. And they asked her to, like, act as Moana pretending like she got the part, but, like, she actually got the part. And so it's just a really cute video. And then she calls her mom and, like, um, she, like, almost starts crying. It's just really adorable, so... Yeah, well, something else I really like about her is, like, how young she was mm-hmm. slash is. Yeah. Um, I, I, like, I really in, appreciated that. Yeah. Um, you know, like, having a younger girl play Moana, who is, like, a younger girl. Yeah. Instead of having, like, a 20-year-old or, you know, 30. voice her. How, they, how we've kind of done in the past. I also, like, maybe I'm biased because I just watched Moana, but, like, I literally think she kills the role. Like, singing, Mm. voice acting is just, like... Anyway. Um, Next, this is a really cool one. So, although Moana is computer-generated animation, there is a bit of hand-drawn. So, Mini Maui, the tattoo. And I think, actually, all the tattoos on Maui, and maybe all of them in general, I never got a, you know, 100% confirmation on that, are hand-drawn animation. And it's actually, if you've seen the series One Day at Disney, that's on Disney Plus, and I can't, I meant to look the guy's name up, but I forgot. The guy that's in, like, the very first episode, the hand-drawn animator, is the one that does Minnie Maui. So it's pretty oh, cool. Like wow. He's, like, one of the few people who's, like, authorized to draw Mickey, Yeah, right? he's, that, like, older, really guy? short, like, chubby, cute yeah. older guy. Yeah, so he um, yeah. does Minnie Maui. And I think even the sequence in Your Welcome that's, like, animation within animation, I think some mm. or part of that is hand-drawn as well. So I love that I... I think we've talked about this before. I don't know if they'll ever go back to 100% hand-drawn animation um, like a full length feature, but I at least hope they keep kind of exploring it and using hand-drawn animation because I think um, it's a tool that and an art form that I hope doesn't go completely away and that I think can still be used. Um, but that's how they started with computer animation, computer generated animation. They used it within hand-drawn movies before they were able to fully um, animate computer generated full length movies. So um next a little bit more about Lynn because I can't you know not talk about him so one of my favorite things that a lot of people don't know he actually had to interview for this job because he was hired before Hamilton came out people forget um that so like he um Hamilton had not premiered so Moana came out in what what did we say 2016 16 yeah so um Hamilton premiered in 2015 but you have to remember like the production for animated movies is a pretty long process so he actually was hired in the spring of 2014 um so over a year before Hamilton premiered on Broadway that was in July of 2015 so um he had started writing Hamilton already so he started writing Hamilton in 2008 so you know the writing of Hamilton was like also a very long process and obviously it like was off Broadway I think at least for a little bit before it was on Broadway but I think that was still 2015 so he was still working on the movie 
when he was starring in Hamilton. So there's some really funny stories about him, like, Skyping the music team, like, in Hamilton costume, like, in between, <laughs> like, before and after the show and stuff like that. Because I don't think he has much time, like, during the show. He's in a lot of it. So he couldn't really Skype yeah. him, him during the show. Um, but one of the things I remember reading at the time was that, um, they, one of the reasons why they, um, interviewed him was because of In the Heights. So In the Heights is a musical he, um, wrote and premiered before Hamilton. So that premiered back in 2008. So actually it's funny that premiered immediately started, he started writing Hamilton in 2008. And if you're, um, a Lynn fan, you may know In the Heights is being adapted as a movie. It was supposed to come out this past summer, I think in Ju- July, but was moved to 2021 because of the pandemic. So hopefully we'll get that movie. I um, hadn't listened to In the Heights, but when I heard the movie was announced and watched the trailer for that, I was like, oh, I have to listen to this. So since then, I've listened to it quite a number of times. So I don't know it quite as well as I know Hamilton, but it's um, excellent. It's really good. And I highly recommend In the Heights if you like Lynn and if you like Hamilton. So it's really fun. Um, next, more Lynn stuff. So he was actually one of the last um, people to be brought on board. I don't know if like they mean for the music team or like in general. So after they interviewed him and hired him, he flew out literally the next day to New Zealand to meet the rest of the team. They were at Pacifica, which is the largest Polynesian music festival in the world, I think. And um, they have this, they were doing this thing um, during the festival was like um, basically people from the audience like volunteers from the audience come up and and uh, try your hand at this dance competition and Lynn volunteered and he went up there and he won this Polynesian dance competition and he said what he did to win was shake his hips to save his life and so if you want to see Lin-Manuel Miranda doing a hula style um, traditional Polynesian dance that video is on the internet so you're welcome I'll put that I'll put that at the top of our sources. That's what I was talking about with the videos. Um, I also wanted to include some of the translated lyrics from the songs that are in Samoan. So the Tula Tagala song that's like the beginning that plays over the castle logo and opening. The translation of the lyrics are respectfully calling the god of the sea so you can see our world so you can see my world so you can understand how beautiful and good so you can see our wonderful way of life so I thought that was like really beautiful like opening to the movie like I I thought those were really meaningful lyrics I so I really really like that and also the song's I think beautiful in Samoan so um and then the other song I wanted to uh, share the translation for is we know the way so the songs is saying we are voyagers summoned by the gods of this mighty ocean to come we take up the good challenge get ready we understand the ways of the sea we look to the stars and other signs to find our way to find new lands to make our home so again i thought those were really beautifully written lyrics that fit the song really really well 
Um, more Hamilton <laughs> trivia. So uh, Lin-Manuel and Chris um, Jackson are not the only two Hamilton cast members to be in Moana. There's two others that um, have some are in some way related to Moana. So Philippa Sue is not in the IMDb credits, but um, apparently was a um, background villager providing the voice. So I don't know if she's saying or if she just did voice work, but she also did some of the demos, it sounds like, for the songs, which makes sense if you think that Lynn would have been working on Hamilton at the time, you know. Um, and then David Diggs, I'm not sure exactly what he did in it, but one of the behind-the-scenes videos I watched, you can see him in the orchestra and in the choir, so he seems to have done something for like the music or for the for singing for the movie so I thought that was really fun um Lynn definitely likes including his friends in his uh in all his work one thing we talked about earlier with the cast all the principal cast except for Alan Tudyk have Pacific Islander roots um and then, then a couple things about uh the design of the movie that changed um a dish uh, originally Maui was bald and um, one of the things that I knew about this movie that is kind of was more well known is they use cultural consultants to help make sure the movie wasn't portraying the, um, you know, Moana and the people of the South Pacific, um, insensitively. And so they actually pointed out that Maui, it, you know, wasn't very culturally appropriate for him to have been bald, um, hair, his hair, like, had a lot of significance and meaning to his character and, like, um, specifically connected to, like, his power. So, um, they changed that during the production of the movie and, um, no one else was actually auditioned for the role of Maui. Um, I think the directors wanted, uh, The Rock the whole time and once they got him didn't audition anyone else. So I thought that was interesting. And then originally, the movie had two more scenes in Lalotai, so we spent more time in the in the underworld, um, the realm of monsters. Um, there was one scene with like uh, the ten-eyed bats. They show them a couple times in the movie, but like there was like a, a extended attack sequence. So, just some fun trivia stuff about the movie. Yeah, I mean, if you could get the rock in the mo- in the in your movie, like why? Even <laughs> right, else? he's like a he's like a. Your movie's guaranteed to make some good money if the rock is in it. I feel yeah, like. for sure. <clears throat> um, so then some just firsts from this movie. It was Ali's first movie role, um, which is not surprising because of how young she was when she was cast, honestly. Um, but I believe that she's done some work since then, since Moana came out. Um, it was the first movie to use a new hair designing software called Quicksilver, um, which I think the hair in the movie looked really good. Yeah. So it worked out well. Um, we Know the Way was the first song that was written for the movie, and it was within the first week that Lynn was hired. Um, and We Know the Way, spoiler alert, is like one of my favorite songs from the movie, and also along the lines of Lin-Manuel Miranda he his voice is heard and we know the yeah way he sings the English version yeah I, or the English lyrics I thought it was crazy in the kind of behind the scenes music um videos I watched 
they talk about how they basically wrote this in like one weekend it makes it seem like it just came together like really really well and it's they basically said they didn't change it that much from like the first time they got together and like they had just all met each other so was it right after lynn won that polynesian dance competition (laughs) (laughs) provided good luck um so we talked a little bit about rock's musical talent earlier um so this was the first musical that the rock has been in and maybe the first kind of like um song that the rock has appeared in (laughs) maybe the last honestly (laughs) no i mean it it really wasn't bad um (laughs) and then the first draft of the script was written by taika watiti um he didn't end up getting a writing credit so he they probably changed quite a bit of it would be my guess um but if you don't know taika watiti is a well-known maybe the most famous Mm. uh kiwi ever uh peter (laughs) Um, jackson He's, he's not f- from New Zealand, is he? Peter Jackson, yes. The director? Yes. The director of Lord of the Rings. Are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. Okay. Um, I mean, he's not like, he's not like of like native New Zealand descent, but he grew up in New Zealand. He's from New Zealand. I think he has an accent. Oh, he does. He does for sure. Okay, well, I still think Taika Waititi is maybe more probably probably right now, now he is yes yes yeah, um and he directed Thor Ragnarok yeah. and is going to be directing um Thor Love and Thunder as well yeah but I thought it was interesting he's also done some other stuff but. yeah Jojo Rabbit which was Oscar nominated I thought it was interesting because when I read that I was like I don't remember seeing him get a writing credit I think he's thanked in the credits though like at the in the credits mm-hmm. they'll show like you know, all the cast and crew and, like, everyone at the end, they'll, like, say special thanks to and just kind of include, like, other random people, I guess. I believe he was in that section, so. Oh. But you, um, I have and then, to guess the scripts changed pretty significantly for him not to get a writing credit, so. Yeah. And then um, it was also the first computer-generated, computer animated movie for Clements and Musker who were the directors we talked a lot about um or we didn't talk a lot but we listed the other movies that they've directed for Disney before and none of them were computer animated yeah so Princess and the Frog was their last one which was also the last hand-drawn the last hand-drawn yeah um then some by the numbers so Moana originally was supposed to have six older brothers which would be interesting for the storyline of her like becoming the chief mm. so i wonder like that must have just not been a storyline when she had six older brothers i guess so. like presumably the oldest brother would be the one who would become chief mm-hmm. um and then as we've kind of talked about ali was pretty young when she was cast and so she was 14 years old when she was cast as moana yeah then some easter eggs that i found and listed Never mind. I didn't find any of these. Like, I saw them on the internet. <laughs> I, w- I didn't, like... I wasn't the one who found any of these parts of the movie. Um, there are some big... Like, there are multiple Frozen nods. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Maui first gets his hook after, like, getting it from Tomatoa, when he's, like, trying, he's kind of, like, glitching between all of these <laughs> animals. He turns into Sven for a hot second. Um, Tomatoa also makes, like, a Sebastian joke in the post credit scene, because, like, he's still flipped over on his back, and he's like, if I was a, like, a Jamaican crab, like, you would have helped me, or something like that. 
Um, Flounder makes a cameo during your welcome. So in that kind of like animated style, they show a bunch of like fish mm-hmm. and Flounder is one of them. One of the Cockmora has a Baymax face, which may be my favorite Easter egg <laughs> because I love Big Hero 6. Mm-hmm. Um, some other ones, like one of the traditional... Um, Polynesian oh, yeah. rugs that are shown on the island is actually like a restyle recreation of the magic carpet from Aladdin. Um, so I really like that one. It's like kind of nice and subtle. Another frozen one that I didn't mention because I don't love it, but I said that there are multiple frozen <laughs> ones and they only named one. So I feel like I need to back that up with another claim. Um, like in the hatch of like the canoe that, or like the ship that Moana has, there's like carrots and some rocks and like some white fabric and it's like the pieces of Olaf um not my favorite why I didn't include it but and then um the flower from Tangled like the magical flower that Mother Gothel uses to stay young in that movie can be seen towards the end of the movie it's like one of it's I I assume it's kind of when like things are showing back to life yeah um and so you can see it they like pan there they show like the dead stuff coming away and stuff coming back to life i i think it's on matunui and it's like an overhead shot and the flowers right there apparently you can see it earlier in the film too but it's not quite as recognizable so Alrighty, so that's it for trivia. So next is my favorite section and everyone else's why moana is canceled i did want to <laughs> just again address this section so what this section is is mostly a joke what it's not is uh it's not a nuanced critique of disney's past of you know extreme racism and appropriation of cultures now moana is obviously not like a very old movie so again i just want to say that I'm not going to provide a nuanced critique of Disney's appropriation of cultures because I feel like I'm not in a position to do that as a white cis woman. What I am going to do is highlight some people, of um, some scholarly individuals from various Pacific Island cultures and of Pacific Island descent and talk about their thoughts on the movie. Um, I'm not the canceled part of this section is like I said it's a joke I'm not canceling Moana I think that you can have a criticisms legitimate criticism of of a movie without saying that it needs to be completely thrown in the trash I don't think anyone is saying that about Moana I think um there are things that Disney did well and I think there are things that they did not but again I'm not going to be giving a lot of my own opinions I'm trying to I'm going to use a Smithsonian article that I found online that has some, like I said, I'm going to highlight pe- other people's voices. So um, a, one Pacific Island scholar, Vincente Diaz from Guam, uh, critiqued Disney's exploitation of native, native cultures, um, specifically of Moana. Um, and I think this quote really highlights a lot of what I feel about Disney movies, so I wanted to share it. He says, quote, Who gets to authenticate so diverse a set of cultures and so vast a region as Polynesia and the even more diverse and larger Pacific Island region that is also represented in the film? And what exactly does it mean that henceforth it is Disney that now administrates how the rest of the world will get to see and understand Pacific realness, including substantive cultural material that approaches the spiritual and the sacred? Um, Disney often has employed this tactic to get around criticism, I would say, by, like, 
um, employ by like not trying to specifically represent one culture. I think that again, I don't think that's completely bad because I think it does protect them from some stronger critiques but I think that's exactly why they do it to protect themselves from stronger critiques um but I so I don't know I I thought that quote really got to that point and I think while it's a shortcut it's maybe not the worst thing they could do I would say that's probably better than trying to specifically represent one specific culture and like completely botching it and doing a bad job of it so um another a thing the article brings up that this movie is not an indigenous story it's still a white person uh, story told by white people for white people um if you look at the directors clements and musker are not people of color i don't know about the co-directors and i know that um obviously we talked about the cultural advisors as something that disney has really pushed lately and while that's a good thing one of the people one of the uh, people interviewed in this article specifically says, quote, having brown advisors does not make it a brown story. And I agree with that. Again, this is not to tear down Moana and say no one should watch Moana. I just think it's really important to specifically recognize that what Moana is and what Moana is not. And again, it's not a brown story. It's a white, it's a story for white people that was directed and written and told by white people. So, like I said, do, you know. It's better to say that in the open than pretend Moana is what it's not. Um, I think the article that I read does a really good job of telling it like it is. There, As with any movie, Moana is not a perfect movie. And because it's the only, not the only, I guess Lilo and Stitch, we have Lilo and Stitch as well, because it's one of only two movies that's representing that culture, you know, there's any problems are going to be magnified. As with anything, the, the more representation you have, the better, because then mistakes that you make don't turn into stereotypes, then that's the only representation you have. And if it's poor representation, then it's the only representation. So there's good and bad as with any movie. Um, Specifically, some things that um, people of Pacific Island background in this article say that they like is that Moana is strong and she's not linked to a man. Like I brought up earlier, they, a lot of people of Pacific Island descent um, really love the celebration of their ancestors' accomplishments in navigation and wayfinding that was made by, like, the actual Polynesian people of the past. Also, another strength of this movie is the depictions of culturally accurate clothing and houses. Um, Before I move on to the bad, I do want to say, obviously, this article is not how every single person of South Pacific and Pacific Islander heritage feels But again, that's why I said there's good and bad and everyone's going to have their own opinions of the movies. What I think is important is to highlight their voices while also recognizing that obviously it's not the voice of every single person and some people are going to have similar critiques and some people may have different critiques. So again, I just want to say even though it's only a small set of voices, I think it's more important than hearing my voice talk about like the issues with Moana. Um, some things that people were more critical of in the movie is the depiction of Maui. Um, specifically, the portrayal of him is kind of silly and not that bright. 
um, they say is like not a super accurate portrayal of Maui and is not a great representation of Polynesian men and also the stereotypical depiction of him as like being larger um, is uh, some people took issue with. Um, another thing that I thought was really interesting that I did not know is that um, Hina, who is the companion goddess of Maui, was completely omitted from the story. She's actually um, really important in um, the mythology of Maui and is one, is one of the goddesses who allowed him to accomplish all his feats, um, and this story doesn't address her at all. And then the Kakamora is another specific criticism um, many people brought up. Um, they are land the article completely. I don't know if, to me, legendary people means that they were maybe not like an actual group of people, um, but still to turn like even a legendary group of people into like coconuts, especially with the kind of, um, the article brought up like the harmful history of coconuts as like a racial, almost a racial slur against brown people seems um, like one of the more kind of egregious mistakes made by the production of this movie but again I want to highlight this is not my opinion this is the opinion of a small group of people in an article I read but and this in no way means like Moana is a bad movie that you should never watch again just think it's important to bring up criticisms um okay that's all I have for that more serious section now I'm going to move into a couple um, more lighthearted elements of the why Moana is canceled section. So this movie, I'm always going to have this section, I think, like movie tropes or like how it's similar to other movies. Um, I mentioned Pocahontas. I, like I said, when I was watching this, I couldn't stop thinking of parallels between Moana and Pocahontas. And this is mostly a joke, but at the same time, it did make me a little bit uncomfortable because they're the two native like brown princesses we have and it seems like they should be a bit more distinct or like their story should be a bit more distinct but maybe that's just me being overly critical. The four things that I found like extremely similar to the structure of the stories were like the, the use of water as a metaphor in both of them and like the importance of water um, in both of them was like a heavy theme in both of the movies the kind of um kooky um crazy but also wise grandmother figure in both of the movies so grandmother willow and then grandma tala but again that also maybe is just a bit of a more generic trope in like princess movies so maybe you know that's not too bad the conflict with the father specifically like wanting to go your own way but again that's also more of like a Disney princess trope and then the significance of jewelry to the and like the passing down of jewelry um in in the movie like the necklaces they wear so I don't know I'll leave it up to you I just hadn't noticed that before and when I was watching it I couldn't stop thinking about the similarities in Pocahontas and Moana that is not something I've ever noticed or yeah. thought of before yeah and I think that, like, some of those are valid points. And, like, especially the conflict with the father, I feel like is such, like, I think of Ariel as, like, the quintessential, like, conflict with father <laughs> movie. Um, and to be yeah. fair, not, I mean, maybe not to be fair, but some other things right. to bring up is there are lots of 
yep. callbacks to action. specifically the Little Mermaid within Moana. I think obviously because of like the water parallel, like I already talked about the flounder reference, mm. um, kind of the conflict with the father. There's also um, when Moana is kind of that baby and like wanders into the water, there's like a flower in her hair that is like very similar to a scene in Little Mermaid with Ariel with the flower in her hair. So there are lots of comparisons I think you could draw between Ariel and Moana as well. For sure. And even later on, I think when I ta- when we do the character section, I um, came up with a list of um, traits or things that's much longer than Maui comes up with that are that you have to have in order to be a Disney princess. And I would <laughs> even critique this movie for Moana and Anna being very similar. Um, and I'll bring mm. some of that up. So it's not just Pocahontas. And maybe, like I said, I, that was, um, you know, some of them are more generic. And so that's a little bit too far of a critique to take. But one of the other things I think is really funny, and I didn't find the meme, but I'm I'm sure some of you have seen it, the comparisons in the story arc between Moana and Lord of the Rings. Have you seen that, Kay? <laughs> I don't think so, but really? I can see it with, like, you know, bringing an object yeah. to, like, this desolate lava volcano, basically, to... yeah. I mean, in Lord of the Rings, you're taking it there to destroy it, obviously. Um, But in Moana, you're, like, bringing it there. At the end of the day, you're bringing it there to save the world. Yeah, exactly. I just think it's – I saw something one time that, like, broke it down and talked about all the similarities in the story arc between the two. But basically, it was, like, if you had to sum up both movies, it's about taking, like, a piece of jewelry to a volcano to, like, save the world. I was, like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, so true. Um, But there's even more, like, similarities that that I think someone has pointed out I think is really funny. Um, I'll put this here, too. In both of the movies, you can ask the question, why didn't the eagles just fly Frodo to the ring and why didn't the ocean just take the heart back to defeat itself? And I just think that's a really funny, that's like a plot, a quote-unquote plot hole in both of them. I was going to say, there's an article on BuzzFeed right now that like is giving me so much validation because it's like things that are always talked about as being plot holes but aren't actually plot holes. And the eagles taking the ring to Mordor was like one of them because like if Sauron is like an all-seeing eye basically like he could see the eagles from so far away he could have just like zapped them that's why you had to creep why couldn't you see them creeping undetected why couldn't undetected okay what's the excuse for the ocean that's an actual plot hole I don't know the ocean's role in this movie I have a a complicated relationship Mm. with I feel that I feel that all right we'll wrap this up section quickly because I know it's going kind of long but the next one is I love how Maui says hero of men and then corrects himself and says and women I I feel like that was a joke that wouldn't have been made like um you know even 10 or 20 years ago but I've seen this video I think on TikTok it's from I don't even know who the comedian is like a comedian's like comedy show like a stand-up comic routine and they say there's this great word that women use that men don't use because men will say he or she like I didn't forget about Mm. women women just say they or people so it's funny Mm. in this movie because Maui does that and then later on Moana says like hero of all or something I'm like why couldn't Mm. you just use that why does it have to be (laughs) men and women obviously just because he forgot about women anyway I thought that was kind of a funny bit and then one thing, 
this is a joke. <laughs> One thing that people have pointed out is um, if you go back and watch the trailers and, and look at the advertising Disney did for Moana, they hype up Pua to be like the main animal sidekick when actually in the movie Pua has like no role at all and Hey Hey is the one that gets to go on the journey with her, which I feel like besides the, I mean, I guess Hey Hey does like a couple of things that are important to the plot, but I feel like they could have written around it. Besides like having the traditional animal sidekick, I feel like they're both kind of like inconsequential and they don't talk. They're not talking animal sidekicks. Hold on. Okay. So I actually know a little bit about like, I don't know if mythology is the right word, but in the time of like sailors, pigs and chickens were like very good luck because if a sink, if a, if a sink shank, if a ship <laughs> sank, the only things that would float would be like the crates of that had the pigs and the um, chickens in it because they were like buoyant. And so one of my favorite Disney YouTubers actually has tattoos of Pua and Hey Hey on both of his feet and they're like a, a traditional kind of like sailor tattoo and just like sailor, um, again, mythology isn't the right word, but I can't think of a better word at the moment. Um, like superstition. To sailors. Superstition. Yeah, yeah. I did. I, so I, that's why pig, that's why the, the two animals chicken. were pigs and a rooster. I do remember seeing that, reading that somewhere. Now that you mention it, I had just forgotten and I didn't put it in the notes. But yeah, that's important. But besides that, and like the nod yeah. to that, I just feel like they're less integral to the story than like some other Disney sidekicks. Again, like they don't talk. They're not talking animals either, which I guess Disney has like strayed away from recently. Like if you think about um, Pascal and if Frozen. you think about Sven. <laughs> Sven talks what are you talking about <laughs> um oh there was one another one I was just thinking of oh shoot and I lost it oh well Miko doesn't Miko and Flit don't talk in Pocahontas either so no but anyway I just yeah I, I remember people being very upset that Pua was not in the movie as well, much Pua as advertised cuter, yes okay, hey, so yes yeah okay well Moving on to some park connections. So there are currently no Moana attractions in Walt Disney World, but there is one in the works. So there was at the 2019 D23, the attraction Journey of Water was announced um, and it is being built as a walkthrough attraction. So not a ride, like a maze basically. And here is a quote from the release about it. Um, this lush exploration trail will invite guests to meet and play with magical living water, just like Moana's friend, the ocean. Water will have a personality of its own, helping guests learn how to protect the natural water cycle in a fun and engaging way. Um, so again, this is going to be at Epcot, and it is not one of the ones that was... Um, taken away from like the Epcot showcase that they have going on. Like Epcot has... um. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, but you can go and see because Epcot is kind of in this phase of this transition phase right now. A lot of things are changing at Epcot and you can go and see all of the like future plans that they have and Moana was not removed, whereas like the Mary Poppins Cherry Street Lane um, refurb was removed. So we do know that we can maybe guess that because it is still part of that, that it is still in the works. And it has been spoken about recently. So originally it did have a 2021 release date, but obviously I think that's being pushed back. 
Um, and then another kind of Moana adjacent thing is the Polynesian lobby and some guest rooms are being refurbed right now. And um, I believe they are being refurbed to kind of add in some additional Moana elements. I believe it was said that like the carpet for the Ohana restaurant was refurbed not that long ago and it changed to add in like Moana themed elements into the design of the carpet. So I don't know if it's assumed or if it's like been explicitly stated, but it, Moana is probably being added into be a more integral part of the poly design. Well, that makes sense. So you're saying that the Mary Poppins thing may be scrapped? Is that what people are yeah. speculating? Interesting. Yeah, I think, I think there's like two, there were two or three things that were removed, and the only thing mm-hmm. I can remember right now is the Mary Poppins one. I think it's interesting. Oh, the Spaceship Earth redesign. That was one thing that was removed too. Oh. That like was had a plan to like happen. Like we had the date that Spaceship Earth was going to close to refurb it, um, but that hasn't been spoken about since. Yeah, well, it makes sense that some things are being scrapped or pushed back just, I'm sure, with budgets <laughs> recently. Yeah. But it's interesting that Moana is getting a ride so quickly. I think that says a it's lot. It's not of, a ride. It's attraction so quickly <laughs> because I, I shouldn't roll my eyes because I do the same thing to people. Because I think it shows how well and successful the movie is. It's interesting that it's not a ride it's interesting that it's a walkthrough attraction um but that's exciting um yeah Yeah. some notes on disneyland and international parks um i know you have things about characters i believe i i tried to look it up it looks like you can meet moana or you could at one point in all the international and california uh parks so i think in california it looks like she was in adventureland um, in Shanghai, I don't know if you can meet her, but Moana and Maui are part of the castle show that everyone's a part of. It looks like there's nothing else. She actually made her first ever character appearance in Disneyland Paris in a parade not too long after the movie was released. But it's interesting, she's actually, in most European countries, they changed her name as well as the name of the movie to Viana instead of Moana. Um, I'm not... 100% sure why there's speculation um they're one of the pieces of speculation which I assume is has some credibility is that there is an adult film star in Italy I think that's pretty famous who's named Moana so I think they made that decision to distance themselves from that which is smart um the only park that I have a little bit more info on is Hong Kong um I have not met Moana in Disney World, the only place I've met her is Hong Kong because when I was there, Hong Kong is one of the smallest parks and um, was traditionally kind of well known and infamous for being like a half day park because at one point, I know they've done a lot of um, expansion and work on there, but at one point it was like the least well attended of all the parks. And I can speak from my experience when I was there I got to do, like, everything that I wanted to do, plus, like, other stuff, because there were, like, very short lines for most things. I waited behind, like, one person to meet Moana, which I was very surprised about. Like, I wasn't going to do a lot of character stuff at the international parks, just because, first of all, I wasn't sure about, like, language. (laughs) Second of all, I just didn't think I would have time, and I would rather do it at Disney World. But I did meet a couple characters in Hong Kong, because... Hong Kong 
of the three Asian parks um, definitely has the most English um, speaking and I all the characters I met spoke English um, so anyway I have some fun pictures from that but also in addition to meeting Moana they have a 20 minute stage show called Moana a homecoming celebration that is really cute it's not even in a theater it's in Adventureland and you just stand and watch it but it has its own stage and stuff um, but it's basically Moana comes and there's some people from her village and it's just her telling the story of her adventures with Maui and I can't I watched it when I was there like I said I had plenty of time to do everything that I wanted plus and I can't remember if Maui's in it and I have some pictures from it um it was towards the end of the day and I didn't have like the best spot so I don't remember everything about the show I remember it being cute and it has the same feel as like the Frozen show that was at Hollywood Studios, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but but I don't think it's a sung along would be like the biggest difference. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, that's all I have. Did you want to talk a little bit more about characters? Yeah, just a little bit. So currently, from what I can tell, you can only meet Moana on Disney, Walt Disney World property during the not-so-scary Mickey's Halloween party and the Very Merry Christmas party. In both of those situations, she meets like in the queue area for the Tiki Room in Adventureland. Um, originally, you could meet her at Hollywood Studios, like closer to the time the movie came out, but I don't believe you can meet her anymore. She was like um, at one man's dream which I feel like mm. sometimes has like rotating characters yeah um like a lot of back new characters like now this, go there yeah or like the launch bay used to kind of have like rotating characters as well um but you can meet her at Ulani she just kind of like from what I understand just like meets kind of like around the pool deck so if you're ever in Hawaii <laughs> you can meet her well I mean that makes sense um yeah yeah it does Okay, moving on to our ratings. Let's get started with plot and story. Yay, we made it halfway through the episode. Really probably a little bit more than halfway, but I think of it as halfway. So I'll kick us off with plot and story. So just overall, I really love that it's an adventure slash quest story and that it's specifically a female-led adventure quest story. I just, I love those kinds of stories. And just in general, the kind of magic and fantastical elements of the story just like that's my jam so right off the bat I kind of knew that I would in general love this story I think that the plot wise the movie does a pretty good job of hinting at things coming up I like when movies do that and things don't just pop up out of nowhere but there's subtle hints to them in the beginning so for example when and when the movie opens and Grandma Tala is telling us the story of Maui stealing the heart, you can see Tamatoa and actually the Kakamora, um, I think, in the animation of that story. And then also they're on those panels, the hanging um, panels in the um, building that they're in at the beginning. So that's really cool. And I just in general love that setup at the beginning of the story. I think it's a great intro. Um, if I'm being nitpicky, a couple things I disliked are the inconsistency with Teka, like the twist at the end where Teka and Tefiti are the same, I think is really cool. But I think if you're setting up a twist like that, a sign of a good story is that you can pick up and kind of, not necessarily that it's obvious that that's going to be a twist, but even if it's like on a rewatch and you notice things that 
that you can pick up on that hint at the twist. I think that's the sign of good storytelling. For this movie, I feel like it's not, that's not the case. Um, first of all, when Grandma Tal is telling us the story at the beginning, when Maui turns from Tefiti to Teka, there's like almost no way it could be the same person because you can kind of see Tefiti in the background still and then right when Maui turns and you see takeoff coming out of the ocean it's like almost impossible I mean I guess she's a goddess but like it's physically impossible for them to be the same person and then the other big inconsistency with that is like the spiral that the heart goes into only appears on takeoff at the very end of the story when it needs to be I like I said I know that's super nitpicky but I think that that's kind of not great storytelling but what is good about it is any movie with like a surprise villain which I guess this kind of is or so or twist I think it's a sign of a good story if it's good at on a rewatch I think there are certain movies that have like a big plot twist or something like this that aren't great upon rewatch and this movie I think um rewatchability is a big thing for me and I know you've talked about it too Katie in terms of high ratings and this has pretty big pretty high rewatchability for me um that's really all I have like I don't know the plot and story is good and I don't know I hope Katie has more interesting things to say because that's all I have yeah I mean I really like the story of Moana I really like the themes of her kind of like wanting adventure and wanting more out of life um I can like really relate to that and I think a lot of people can in general. Um, I Becca kind of mentioned this earlier but I like that Moana doesn't have a love interest in the movie that is purely kind of just quest like the quest is the story. Um, the twist that Tika and Tafiti with that I definitely didn't see it coming the first time yeah. I watched the movie um, and I think that it's one that I have it Again, we can debate whether it's really a twist villain or not. Yeah. I think it kind of falls into that, like, you know, when people criticize Disney for all of the twist villains they've been doing, I think Moana is one that's grouped in with the twist villains. But again, you can debate whether it is actually or not. And I think that I've never heard Moana as being one that was, like, very obvious to people to point out. Like, I think Hans, people say, was pretty obvious or easy for them to find, point out. What? Um, I gasped in shock when I watched them. <laughs> Pulled um, me. And then I don't think King Candy is mentioned because, like, I think that one is, like, one of, if not the best, twist villains that they've executed. Um Anyways, I think it's one that people don't talk about as being super obvious. Maybe because of the reasons that Pekka pointed out <laughs> earlier. Like, it may not actually be possible. Um, I will say there is... We talk... Or I just talked about how Teika and Tefiti was kind of like a twist villain instance. Like, there is really no villain in this yeah. story. Like, the conflict comes from obstacles kind of along the way of the quest. And I think that it doesn't take away from the story, which is good because sometimes stories like are lacking that like big bad that they're trying to fight against. And I don't think it needed that in this movie per se. Um, so I think that that's good storytelling and good writing. One thing I I was going to mention this in the emotionality section, but then I remember that was only Pixar. <laughs> So the humor in this movie is like not my favorite. It ain't it. Like it seems very childish. Granted, like it is an animated movie, so like 
can I criticize it that much? I'm going to anyways. <laughs> like when Moana is like mad at the ocean for when she washes up on the island with Maui and she's like, fish pee in you all, all day. day. And then she like kicks at it. Like, like the delivery of it, I think was almost more humorous than the actual like content, like than the actual joke. And then there's also like another pee joke where like Maui pees in the water and like the water turns warm, like, I know I was like, like really Disney ugh. two P jokes in the same movie I I I yeah. also had that in my notes I just didn't know where to put it again yeah I think humor I guess you could put in story yeah just like kind of overall my favorite humor is probably Tomatoa I just really oh like God. his like brand of humor yes like the way he talks is very humorous to me but other than that I don't find it an overly funny movie which like is okay it's not a comedy at the end of the day yeah but the humor that was in it was just like not really my fave except except Tomatoa and when like at the beginning Moan is teaching that dance lesson in that <laughs> oh little my god. yeah I forgot that kid that, that kid that is a really that's so good yeah I agree Tomatoa I think is hilarious I have a little note about him in characters but I just think that was a great decision to make to make him not like a scary villain and I just think that yeah his characters are really funny like when um when he realizes that like the heart is the like not a rock he's like oh I see what she did there it's a barnacle like covered in bioluminescent algae he like explains everything (laughs) Uh, yeah he's hilarious I also like at the beginning just to jump on the humor because I didn't really put in anything yet the pee jokes really bother me but the when grandma Tala tells the story and then it shows all the kids reactions that's pretty funny too but yeah and one of them like passes out yeah and then they all like uh are crawling all over the chief yeah it's overall the humor is not my thing like the tweeting thing I think I thought was really funny when I first saw it but now every time I see it I'm like this just dates the movie yeah so yeah yeah, I think the themes are great I think it's a pretty generic theme for Disney like finding yourself but I always find I really like the one the themes that are like going your own way versus family and I always find it interesting how they resolve it and uh, not to compare this to Coco again but it reminds me of it in that way like it's almost Mm -hmm. like family against like personal like aspirations yeah yeah personal exactly personal aspirations and I think both of those do a really good job of like resolving them in the end like finding Hmm. harmony like, you don't have to choose one or the other. Whereas I feel like Disney movies in the past kind of felt like they did choose one or the other. And as a person who family means a lot to me, I always kind of felt disconnected with that ending. Whereas I really enjoy how Coco and Moana resolve the conflict. Okay, and on that, just one last note, because I don't have anywhere else to put it, but it is maybe my biggest critique and problem with the movie. Okay, it's like, it's very trivial. Don't, it's not serious, but like, it is still my biggest problem with the movie. (laughs) So like, you know, the stacked stones Mm. that like every chief places on there, like Moana puts that conch, like nobody else can put anything on that on that pillar anymore like that's the point put anything on top of that that's the point 
But, like, they still come back to that island. Like, even when they were voyagers, they're, like... Like when we like they there's a line in the song like yeah. when we when we need to find home we know the way yeah yeah like it's still their home yeah chiefs can still like put like no, but nobody else because Moana had to be selfish and put a freaking <laughs> shell on top nobody, like they can't continue that okay so the year long plus the sto- hundreds of years tradition the stones represent like groundedness and like not changing your ways and. <sighs> So even though no one else can put stones on there and they're still home, like that's a, it's an evolving tradition. Like they don't, aren't going to stack more stones because like now they're traveling again. I get the metaphor. It bothers me. Okay, that's fine. I feel like. so ratings. Yeah, I feel like I really didn't have a lot to say about the story. I feel bad because normally I really delve into the themes, but I'm, anyway, I'm still going to rate it. I have my number to you. I'm deciding between you num- two numbers. Okay, I'll see what so you do you say. want me to go first? I'm rating it. Yeah. I'm giving it an eight out of ten. Okay, okay. My two numbers were seven and eight, okay. so I think I'll go seven just to be different. Oh my god! Um, of course, <laughs> I thought about a well, seven or an eight too, but yeah, I cheated and I looked back at what I gave other <laughs> movies. And so, like I said last time, Cars three was our highest rating for plot and story, and we both gave Cars three a seven. So after mm-hmm. I wrote down eight and looked at it, I, I wrote down my numbers before I looked, but and then I looked just to see how it compared. And I was like, okay, I'm comfortable with that. I feel like Moana, to me, the story is like one point above Cars 3, even though that was my favorite part of that. Cars 3. Yeah, I could see that. I will say kind of, it's not my favorite part of the movie. And Same. I think our lack of really stuff to talk about is kind of telling with the story and plot. Um, as in so like that's that's why I'm comfortable with the seven okay. but like I said I was kind of deciding between a seven and an eight yeah I feel like sometimes I have more to talk about if it's like really good but sometimes I also have more to talk about if it's really bad so I true feel true. like it was an eight also I feel like I just didn't have a lot of notes because I forgot <laughs> to take notes yeah. about that so that's just me all right I'll go ahead and put those in okay so next category is music and this is this is one of my favorite soundtracks ever. Like very rarely does any album, let alone like a soundtrack, have no skips for me. And like this honestly is probably a no skip album or no skip soundtrack, I guess. Like I can even like the intro song, like yeah. okay. I will say Frozen's intro song I do like better than Moana's yeah, intro yeah. song. I agree. Like that might be my favorite Frozen song. Um, <laughs> but in general, the like there are like no skips on this soundtrack for the most part. Like maybe if I'm not feeling a certain song or like You're Welcome, I think I skipped for about a year after that one Thanksgiving because I. Oh, okay, okay. Time. I can forgive that. I can forgive that. <laughs> um, but in general, it's a no skip album or no skip soundtrack. I think those those two words are the same thing. I don't yeah. have to keep correcting myself. Um, <laughs> and I genuinely, like, I genuinely enjoy every single song. Um, and I know that people don't like Shiny and have, like, kind of negative feelings towards it, but I love Shiny. Mm-hmm. I think it is such a fun song. Like, yeah, it's a little weird. It Like, it is weird. Like, I understand that. But it's so fun, and, like, the beat in it is just so good like oh my gosh 
that was like one of my favorite songs off the Moana soundtrack and then I feel like people hated it and I'm like okay I can't keep saying that shiny is my favorite anymore I did not know that you liked shiny that much that's really interesting I love shiny and then my favorite song is probably between we know the way and where you are Mm. those are my two favorites yeah I have a lot because I've thought about this a lot like Katie and I have talked about I started thinking about my rating for music and what I was going to say right after we talked about this because it's just so iconic so I came up with a list of because I was thinking more carefully about the rating like I I spoiler I was like trying to decide between a 9 and a 10 from the beginning so I was like I have to think really carefully about this because there's also other movies with really good music so I created Rebecca's criteria for a perfect score on Disney music um, and here's what I came up with so the songs have to both further the plot and character development while being able to stand alone outside of watching the movie so basically they have to be good watching the movie and they have to like help the story along but they also have to be good outside the movie itself just listening to the soundtrack or album like Katie mentioned Obviously, they have to bop, but I also have to be able to sing them slash belt them out in the car or shower by myself, which means I can't be too difficult because I'm not a singer. The, again, this is like very specifically my personal criteria. They can't have more than one song that I consistently skip when listening back to the album without, like outside of the movie. Bonus points for amazing covers. Um, I love a good Disney cover. There's some really bad ones out there. Um, Alicia Cara does uh, How Far I'll Go, and I love that. So this gets bonus points already for that. Bonus points for songs in other languages, i.e. Lion King, Frozen, Lilo and Stitch, Moana. I love those. I know there are some people out there that feel like for a song to be good, it has to be in English. I've never felt that. I I'm not a, I'm not a K-pop stan by any means, but I do enjoy a good K-pop song, and I a music um, song does not have to be in English for me to love it. Okay, I have a question about that because I was actually thinking about this when watching Moana. Is it offensive for me to try and sing along? No, I mean even though I don't know the words or how to pronounce it, but like I'm just singing along the to sounds. the sounds of these words. I immediately said no, like I'm an authority on that, and I'm definitely well, I was not. Just wondering if you'd like, but I do the same thing. Or seen stuff no, I don't think it. so. I definitely okay. do the exact same thing. Like, especially I feel like there's certain sounds that are easier, like that maybe sound more similar to English sounds. I do that when I'm mm-hmm. uh, listening to K-pop, and it's a song that I know pretty well. I'll like sing along, okay. quote unquote. Because the Frozen, again, the Frozen <laughs> intro song. <laughs> Uh, I know that those, like, for the most part aren't really, like, words, but it's based on, like, a Sami tradition, yeah. um, like, the indigenous people to Scandinavia, so. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, like I said, this is all very specific, and I've added a new bonus point thing is for a rap song, or, like, a rap-like mm. song, because I love, I love that style of, like, musical rap that Lynn has kind of... Uh, created and carved out for himself so I say all this because musicals and like specifically Disney scores or like musical scores are some of my favorite type of music I'm not a big like I like pop music and there's definitely certain artists that I like absolutely love but in general like I'm a I love musics and musical like sorry music from Disney music from Disney movies and musicals and stuff and I just love when music tells an explicit story, which is why I like that kind of music better. Like, pop music does 
and even within pop music, I tend to prefer songs and albums and genres that are more story-like. So anyway, I I have thought about this a lot. <laughs> so I, I may come up with more criteria, but basically I have to be able to sing it. It has to be like I have to belt it in the car. Oh, one other note I forgot. I meant to add this a couple times and I forgot. In general, I'm not a big fan of reprises or reprises, however you say that, in musicals. I know it's like a common device. Basically what it is is they like how far I'll go and then Moana sings like a slightly shortened different version of it later Tangled does this it's like very common in musicals if you know about it it gets bonus points if those are good because in general I'm not a big fan of reprises Mm. like I just they're not as good as the original song they're shorter in this movie spoiler alert I'm giving away my rating probably I like some of the reprises better than the original like the reprise of how far I'll go I mean, I love the, like, actual song itself, but it's so good. Yeah. Um. So, specifically about some songs, I love How Far I'll Go. I would say it's not the, like, best or my favorite all-time I Want song. So, in Disney, Lingo, I Want, is, I Want song is kind of a typical song that the princess or main character will sing at one point. So, think of Part of Your yeah, World. Yeah, towards... Yeah, normally towards the beginning, like the bell song in Beauty and the yeah. Beast. Yeah, uh, part of your world and the Little Mermaid. It's like a kind of well-known, tr- like trope, if you want to call it that. Um, yeah. I don't think it's my absolute favorite, but it's one of my top, top tier. I love where you are. I think it's great. I absolutely love. We know the way, and you're welcome. Those are like some of my all-time favorites. I also, like I said before, every Disney movie should have rap. I like Shiny. Here's what I, I probably don't like it as much as Katie. It is kind of weird and it's not my favorite when I'm listening to the music, but here's why I will advocate for it alongside you, Katie. When I'm watching the movie, I feel like it fits the character of Tamatoa mm-hmm. really well, as well as the overall feeling of Lalotai and the distinction between Lalotai and like the um world above like obviously thematically visually they're very different so it makes sense that the song is very different also in general like that a lot of the songs in the movie are different styles from each other I think that's really interesting and it makes the music better um because it's thematically similar enough but like the styles of the music are really different I also think that the song is really plot driven, which again, like ties back to some of my criteria and also like feels really sinister when you're watching the movie, like the second half of the song, which you don't get when you're listening to it as much. Like I can feel the shift a little bit, but like when I'm watching the movie, like it's like chills sometimes. I was like, oh, this is like really creepy. So I like shiny. Um, So yeah, that's my... (laughs) thoughts about music okay so I'm gonna give the music a 10 um I it is like I mentioned before it is if not my favorite soundtrack from a Disney movie like overall completely so I don't feel guilty about giving it a 10 because I really can't think of more than maybe like two or three soundtracks 
that even like rival Moana in my mind. Yeah. So I haven't thought about it as much in comparison to other music, but thinking like just quickly now, I'd have to agree with you. And then the uh, I'm giving it a 10 as well. <laughs> the <laughs> other reason is because even though like it's not perfect, obviously, you know, I'm giving it 10 out of 10. So you're like, Rebecca, how is it not perfect? And you're giving it a 10. Because if you listen to my criteria, it fits a lot of the bonus points. So even if I was thinking about giving it a nine, the like extra stuff that I love bumps it up to a 10 for me. So yeah. So let me go ahead and enter in the spreadsheet. Plus also like the music to me is the best part of the movie which we always kind of talk about like it's the best part so I'm okay with kind of giving it a higher score yeah um, agree agree so alrighty, that's all entered so next we're gonna talk about characters um I don't this was so interesting to me I know you're starting yeah. off but just in general this was so interesting because like I was like I like I only have stuff to say about like two characters yeah. <laughs> like yeah, so that's the first thing. My note, my first note is I love that there's a small number of speaking characters. I feel like of the movies we've done so far in general, I that's my preference to have fewer characters mm-hmm. because I think it, especially with Disney movies with the shorter runtime, like the story's got to be a tighter story, you know, like it's got to be tight and and concise. I think that helps the story be more concise. And also allows for more development of the main characters in the shorter time span. Or I guess all the characters, but really mostly for the main characters. So <clears throat> that's my note about um, the number of characters. I have a note on, on most of the main ones. Um, but yeah, there's not that many. So Moana, <laughs> my first note is that her dad shouldn't have named her Ocean if um, he didn't want her to be obsessed with the ocean. So that's kind of <laughs> his fault. So and Moana does mean ocean or from the ocean. So um, also one thing I thought about for the very first time when I was watching it is the if you notice the scene where like the ocean quote unquote chooses her, it's like after she rescues the turtle. I wonder if that was like why? Like if her kindness or something or if the ocean had already decided to choose her. I just never had thought about that before yeah in general I love that she's capable but still gets the chance to learn and grow throughout the movie like she's never shown as someone who's incapable but at the same time she still grows and develops like I think that's a sometimes a hard balance to strike and um is sometimes a criticism of like quote-unquote strong female characters like they're not emotional and they don't develop and they don't grow. I don't think Moana falls into that trope, but at the same time, she's never shown to be like incapable. <laughs> and here I have a side note about uh, requirements for the modern Disney princess. So mostly talking about like not Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty or Snow White, but also I guess leaning more towards like Rapunzel, Anna and Elsa, but I guess kind of including Ariel and, and Mulan and Jasmine as well. So. Kiana. They have to be, Tiana, they have to be stubborn, rebellious, adventurous, thin, pretty, have an animal sidekick, have a weapon that doubles as an everyday object, a la a frying pan or an oar. I just thought that was really funny that both of them have that. Um, They're awkward. They have dead parents or conflict with parents and really good hair. So that's my short Mm. list of requirements. Speaking on kind of body and thin, I think Moana is one of the least thin. Yes, that's female true. Female leads we have had. Um, I think that's due to like the character design of the animation and the characters that they chose. But um, she's definitely and like 
she's shown as like almost more muscular in a way is kind of how I read her body tone as well. Yeah. She's definitely got thicker arms and legs, but she still has a very small waist. Yes. Um, And she's still like got a conventionally attractive, conventionally acceptable body type, which I don't know how long it's going to take. I mean, I'm not holding my breath for um, anything, but yeah, I think they Disney did make some improvements. I think at least like proportionally she may like work as a functioning human whereas like a lot of animated uh i know i feel like her head i feel like the head (laughs) of all animated characters were just like topple them over that's true i did have um one other thing that i didn't put in in the notes but i remember uh, thinking about is like specifically the awkwardness like moana Mm -hmm. and anna which is funny because they rhyme they have that in they have that like very like endearing awkwardness like in common I'm really interested to see if that continues because that I remember with Anna like it was kind of the first time they had introduced that and like then Moana is like very similar in that way she she, like stumbles over her words like I don't know like the the thing that reminds me of Anna a lot is when she eats the pork and she's like, oh, sorry. Like, I don't know. They just are very mm. similar in that way. And then the scene where yeah. she crashes on the beach and has the sand in her hair, I think that's an almost exact copy of the... Yeah, that was one of the Easter eggs that I found when I was looking online, actually. And another moment is, like, when she, like, flips around and her hair, like, wax her Okay, I know really we, funny. we talked about hair and, like, the new thing they did. But, like, that actually really bothered me. That was, like, uh, I have this on animation. The, like, delayed reaction with the hair is, like, noticeable a Mm. couple times in the movie and is, like, really jarring to me. I don't know. Like, I think other than that, the hair looks amazing. Just, like, the, she, her hair, like, whips around a couple times in a way that's just not Mm. possible, like, physics-wise in our, in our world. And I understand it's a cartoon, but, like, just to spend so much time making the hair look realistic and then to do that seems a bit weird to me. I think it's supposed to be funny, but... Yeah, speaking on kind of the awkwardness, I think that something that Disney realized with their female characters, specifically, like, female, like, Disney princesses, you know, is that they weren't super, like, relatable. And, like, a lot of times they weren't even likable yes at some point yeah so I think that having them kind of have this like awkward endearing quality is a super easy way to yeah. be like me as a a normal everyday girl like oh I can see myself in Moana or I can see myself in Anna and it immediately like brings them down onto your level and not only makes them easier to relate to but more likable yeah especially for younger audiences thinking about like the actual age of Disney princesses is usually a little bit um older than like the typical like viewing audience or like who the at least who the movie like is aimed at in terms of audience so I agree I just hope I just it seems like such a shortcut like you and I hope they don't continue to use it because then they're just making this all of them the same which is almost the same mistake they've been making in the past so that's my only thing with that all right, I'm glad you had some to add to that because I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> um, next, um, I love the grandmother. Um, give me any old kooky woman. She's going to like automatically be my my favorite, if not my second favorite character in the movie. Um, I The Stingray thing is like so cool. Oh my gosh. I am obsessed with the ocean as a Pisces. You know, I kind of have to be um okay wait sorry speaking of star signs oh god believe 
So I'm an Aquarius. You know, my my the the constellation. It's is not a winged, water sign. But I'm an air yeah, sign. Aquarius like, how does that sign. make sense? Well, actual water sign here. Um, I went through the marine biology phase. A lot of kids go through. My <laughs> favorite animal right now is an octopus. So like, I love that this movie was about the ocean. I always like wanted to be. A marine biologist and I love little ocean critters and animals and so I don't know I just I relate to her on the sing rays are really cool they're like my second or third favorite ocean animal but I would love to be reincarnated as an octopus so I feel that grandma um next Maui I don't have like a ton of uh things here I think he goes through a great character development which is really cool because sometimes with the like uh like buddy movies that's like almost one a one b main characters like some of sometimes that can suffer from developing both characters well and i think this movie does i love that they show his vulnerability um and then they use they use that to connect maui and moana when he talks about you know being abandoned by his family i think he's pretty funny um I love that they chose the rock I think that was a great decision also this is the hill I will die on his hair is better than Milana's so (laughs) just saying um my actual favorite I love Grimatella but my actual favorite character is Minnie Maui (laughs) just like so cute that part of the humor I actually really like especially the like scoreboard Mm, that's great yeah that is good and then the only other character I have notes on is Tamatoa. I think he's really weird and really funny. I mentioned this earlier, but just because I have it, I'll say it again. I love how they went with a less serious, like in a less serious direction for the movie, especially without like a big bad villain. I think that really works. Yeah. So I basically just have notes on Moana and Maui because I feel like I talked about Tamatoa in the music mm-hmm. um, for the most part when I talked about Shiny. But I really like Moana. Like I said, she's, or like we kind of talk about, talked about, she's very likable. I feel like a lot of people can relate to her and kind of her desire to be adventurous and kind of get away from home and explore. I really like her determination and her adventurousness. Is that a word? Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like how she, like, how she chose to leave the island and trusted in her abilities and like trusted in herself that she could um like figure it out yeah she's she's confident but not cocky yeah yeah I really liked that um so then I get I don't have notes on this but I want to talk about the ocean a little bit and kind Mm -hmm. of its um function as a character I think that it is simultaneously like overpowered and underpowered because like how we talked about Mm. why didn't it just take the heart of Tefiti why did it not just like zoom them all the time through the water like why did they need a boat at all um and I don't like the design of the water I'll talk about that in the animation no I love like how they animated the water but Uh, how they like designed the character mm. of the water like when it like lumped up I think it looks ridiculous um so I don't know the water is kind of it's like it's a plot convenience and it's too obvious that it's a plot convenience in the story like the I don't know I don't love the function of it in the storytelling yeah um and then Maui I really like his character development and I really like um 
the discussion that is had about his insecurities and how he kind of like presents himself as this very like confident cocky like I'm the best like I'm the hero to all you know that kind (laughs) of thing but he's still like at the root of all of that Mm. he just wants nothing more than like praise and he's so insecure um and I really like that the character that they that had that struggle is a is not a woman. I really yeah. like that it was a man because I think that does a lot to like tear down toxic masculinity. Like men can be insecure and need things from other people too. And I don't think that's always portrayed in mm. especially kids animated movies and Disney animated yeah. movies. Um And I really like that kind of like his end-all be-all. It comes off as he just wants to be a hero. But specifically, he like wants to be a hero for humans. Like he doesn't want to be a hero for himself at the end of the day. He like craves that validation and love that he gets from the humans. Yeah, I agree. I just really like his motivation. I agree. I also like how that ties into the whole like reason for the plot in the story. Him stealing the heart and how they give that even that motivation too like he didn't steal it for selfish reasons he stole it for humans so Mm -hmm. I agree I have a number do you have yours yes oh wait because because I just because I have nowhere else to put this the scene where Moana and her grandmother talk is like so emotional and so beautiful like the way the stars like reflect off the water is just like one of the most beautiful scenes I think I've ever seen in animation both like in the content of the scene and how it looked um I just wanted to mention that because I there's no I didn't really have a great place to mention it and I know you talked about the grandma here yeah but number wise I I think I have a number okay do you want to go first or do you want me to go first no you can go first I'm gonna rate it an eight okay I was thinking an eight as well okay I was toying around with the idea of a seven but like None of these characters are my favorite characters, but I really don't dislike much about any of them either. Yeah. So. Yeah, same. And I think there's a lot of strengths, and I really didn't have that many criticisms or serious criticisms at all. Yeah. Okay, so for animation. Your favorite. Your favorite. Um... (laughs) I think like this movie is beautiful it's like very colorful it's very vibrant it's very fun for the most part um and even though Lollatai is like like creepy vibrant it's still like so vibrant and it just like feels alive I feel like a lot of things in this movie just come across as alive the way the water moves and interacts with things I think is also very like specifically the scenes where it kind of like parts I think those scenes are just so gorgeous both like when Moana is a child and walks out into the ocean and both at the end when like Teka walks through like the parted water um I will say like I mentioned before when like the water kind of like sticks out as this like amorphous blob and like will nod its head or point at things I think it's a little silly I don't know what they could have done to make that look better but I don't know it kind of takes me out of the movie a little bit because it looks so like odd to me um this is like my one real gripe with the animation so when Moana gets her foot stuck in the coral and she like like when she first tries to cross the reef and she gets like wrecked and she has to come back she's like inspecting her foot and it's like scratched up the foot is like 
it looks like a like a Barbie foot or like a doll foot. Like it is so it's like so it's it's literally a square. Like <laughs> the foot just like looks not like it looks so unrealistic. And I get that like maybe they're not trying to make it look realistic and it fits with like kind of the character design they have for these uh, characters, but it just like really doesn't look that great, honestly. <laughs> um, the way that Teka like kind of crawls towards Moana when the water is parted, I think is one is so interesting, like her movement specifically. And then when she does get to Moana and like this cloud of kind of like smoke is coming off of her and it like rolls up, like past Moana, it's like gorgeous. I think that might be one of my favorite animation scenes and and also like the scene where she talks with grandma tala mm-hmm. when the boat is just like the water is like completely still and flat and the stars but yeah i think overall it's very good but i think like past a certain date yeah all the animation is gonna be good yeah yeah so that's what i'm trying to find specific at least talk about like some specific things i like and try to compare it but it's, it is pretty difficult. So, and um, are you, that's it, right? Yeah. From you. Okay. So, overall, it's stunning, vibrant, and gorgeous <laughs> is, like, my first, like, my general overall opinion. Also, I'm a sucker for animation within animation. Um, so, like, uh, Princess and the Frog does this in the Almost There sequence. Um, there's a couple mm-hmm. other instances in it, like throughout Disney movies. So Moana does this a couple times with the opening sequence, with this like glass verse of "You're Welcome," and then even the tattoos. I would consider animation within animation. So I really like that. Um, I love the visual, the change in visual tone, like I've talked about between like Matanui and the like Above World and Lalo Tai, but even between like especially I think you can see it when Moana like makes her last stand or whatever so like Maui her and Maui have tried to return the heart once Maui leaves she goes back and you can tell it's daytime but like when she gets close to Teka it's like dark again because of the ash and smoke and stuff so um I thought that was really really well done um I'm not in general I'm not like a tropical person like I'd rather go like travel wise anyway this is like a little bit off topic but I'll circle back around I'd rather go to like a city than like a tropical location but this movie makes me want to go to the South Pacific like makes me want to go to like Hawaii and New Zealand and Samoa and everything like it's seems like an ad like I want to sign me up Uh, I think it's like a great overall look and feel I think the characters are well done the expressions the ocean as a character, I like better than Katie. It's not like a great, like a hundred percent. But one of my favorite things, and I like the tattoos. I think the tattoos are really well done. But I will say like one of my overall favorite things about this movie is not water or fire, which I know we've talked about in the past are kind of traditionally very difficult to animate, especially computer generated. Um, and I think they've done, they're done well, but actually the lighting of this movie like the change in lighting from like day to night there's a scene where the sun's setting I think with Moana and the grandmother before she takes her to the canoes that is like beautiful the bioluminescence the scene Katie mentioned at the end with the grandma um just like overall and the color of the ocean like one specific they like pant they're like it's kind of like a helicopter shot if it was a real movie and you can see the reef and then you can see beyond the reef and like the ocean is distinctly two different colors like 
I just mm-hmm. think the lighting in this movie is my favorite thing. The one larger criticism I have is the character design of Tafiti at the end. I don't know if I noticed it as much in the beginning story, but like she does not look real. Like I know she's not real, but like her face just looks off for some reason for me and I can't really explain it beyond that. I like the design of Teka a lot better. And this is mm. not animation, but I'm going to fit it in here because I completely forgot to talk about this earlier in either character or some other section. But I think it's really, maybe even plot and story, I think it's really beautiful that Teka and Tefiti end up being the same, even as much as I don't like like that it fits in the story as much because if you know about how islands are created it's like through volcanoes that's most of the islands in the south pacific are volcanic islands so it's just really first of all scientifically accurate second of all like just cool that it's like the the reincarnation right like death leads to life also this is i meant to include this in why it's canceled but if anyone's ever seen fantasia 2000 the whole thing reminds me of that last sequence in there like the firebird sequence where it's about like the volcano and the spring goddess or whatever and the reincarnation so do you want to know what the ending of moana reminds me of what uh that short lava like is it not just the same thing (laughs) yeah well okay so like all those things come from actual science science which is that like i know but i think that to me the character design of tefiti reminds me too much of like the female volcano in lava I never thought about that. And not that I really don't think they look that much alike, but that's like all I, like I huh. picture them as looking the same in my mind. Yeah, that's interesting. No, I never thought about that. But that's really, that's my biggest criticism. And it's like pretty small because she's not, it's, it's just weird. I don't know. But anyway, off topic a little bit. I have my number. Do you have yours? Yes. Okay, I'm going to give oh, it. I'll go first because I started. Okay. Wait, I'm, I started, I started talking about animation first. I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to give it a nine. Okay, I was deciding between an 8 and a 9, but I really just, the foot, like, really gets me. <laughs> oh, my God. It's funny, because I know exactly what you're talking about, but for some reason, it never has bothered me. It just looks so unrealistic. And again, like, I know it's an animated movie. Like, I understand, but still. <laughs> okay. Last category, so we're arbitrary category, and then we'll talk about the numbers. Wait, I just forgot the numbers because I wasn't ready. So you said eight. Oh, I gave an eight and you gave a nine. Okay, sorry. I was trying to type so it wasn't so loud on the mic, too. Are you going to talk about the arbitrary category that you picked? Um, I guess. Katie had nothing on this, so I was on my own. So we talked about nice. historical accuracy a little bit. Um. But ultimately decided against it because I I addressed that a little bit in the, like, making of, you know, where the story comes from, as well as even a little bit in the cancel section. So, and and I want to be, since this arbitrary category is really us just talking about things we like about the movie, I think, is how it's going to have to end up being because we're giving it a 10 automatically. I don't want to... I know we we, ta- we had talked about doing historical accuracy, like, as a recurring segment, but if there's any, like, 
actual criticisms to be made about historical accuracy or cultural accuracy. I like don't want to put it there and then make it seem like we're giving it a 10. So like, for example, Pocahontas, like I don't think we're going to put historical accuracy (laughs) as the arbitrary category. We'll we'll discuss it in another section. So um, I decided to make Mm -hmm. the arbitrary category how much I want to be there right now, like in Matanui, South Pacific, whatever, um, because I've dealt with um, a lot of winter weather where I am. Um, I had 41 inches of snow a couple months ago that I had to dig out of and it snowed almost every week, some weeks, almost every day of the week. So this was a really nice getaway for me. So I'm giving it a 10 because I want to be in Matunui right now. Okay, I just want to say that Rebecca's been complaining about the weather all winter, and I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like, if you live in a place where the weather is terrible, like, you deserve to complain. But she talks to me like I didn't spend four winters in Minnesota. Like, (laughs) on my 21st birthday, it was negative 56 outside, so I understand. Whenever I Um, talk about the weather to other people, I do mention that my sister lived in Minnesota and had it worse. The only thing I would add to enlighten this argument is I live in a house with a very long driveway that well, I drive and, and I, I drive exactly that's a completely different thing right now. so th- I'm not complaining about snow I like snow I just don't like that I have to drive in snow and I have a kind of a long commute so that's the only thing I'll say yeah no no I never had to deal with that thank god um but yeah I mean I moved to Texas and Tomorrow, the low is 10 degrees in Houston, Texas, and we're supposed to get snow. So, like, we love that for us Southerners. Um, And in general, I've kind of, for the past couple years, basically since the last time I traveled, I've always kind of said, like, a tropical destination is, like, next on my list. So, yeah, I would fly to the South Pacific tomorrow if I could. (laughs) Yeah, for a while, like, New Zealand and Australia were mm. top of my travel list. They're still, like, definitely in the top ten. It's just so hard to get there and so expensive to get there. It, yeah, it's so. very far. But I'd still, I'd still go there in a heartbeat. So yeah. I guess you're giving it a ten out of ten as well. Yes. All right, drum roll, please. All the numbers are in. Are you ready? Ooh, I don't know. I'm kind of surprised how low this is. Oh, God. I'm nervous now. No, I mean, it's not that low. Just, you know, 95 with Rotten Tomatoes, that's, like, only five points. Like, you can be off. So, we gave it an 88 out of 100. Okay, okay. I, I mean, am surprised it's not 90, I would say. I was going to yeah. say, I thought it would be 90, but, like, you gave it a 7, and I gave it an 8 in the first category. That's already 5 off. So then, yeah. and then we did, like, like eight, 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 nine. So that's, like, 2, 4, 6, 7 more. So that adds up to 88. So, um, like I said, that that's compared to a Rotten Tomatoes score of 95, but it does put it squarely in first place of all the movies. So... That moves everything down one. So Moana's in one in first place. Onward moves to second. Cars three moves to third. Uh, Dinosaur moves to fourth, and Snow White moves to fifth out of five. Okay, I don't I don't mind that score. I am surprised that it's kind of not even at least ninety. But yeah, I the more we do this, the more I'm like. 
is any movie gonna break like 95 i know well because it is hard because all the categories are so different so it's like my favorite movie even there's no way it's getting 10s across the board even though it's literally my favorite overall movie you know my favorite movie i might give tens across the board oh see the music in hercules as much as i do like the songs like they're not i feel like Mm. the track list together just like isn't strong enough yeah maybe i wouldn't give coco a 10 in music but like the music Mm. but it's also like so important to the story so i think i would take that into consideration Mm. it'll be interesting to see as we go i really like having more and more in our list i think that's my favorite part me too. So wrapping up, let's talk about some Main Street Daily news. I have a couple Marvel pieces of news, a couple Disney World, and then just an overall Disney. So I'm gonna start with Disney World. So from what I understand, construction on the Tron roller coaster that is going on at Magic Kingdom has just like halted. It was going on all throughout COVID, and within the past month, it's just been announced that it stopped. And nobody really knows why. Um, all of the outside coasters seems to be finished but and now they've like closed off like the portion where the track transitions from inside to outside has like a cover on it now um just to like limit birds flying inside I think is what people have said um because it's just going to be sitting idle I guess for a while now um again I don't really know why and I don't know if anybody really knows why do you think Um, it's money I don't know Tron has been in the works for such a long time and it's like pretty much done i don't know i feel you like you want to wait to open it until everything's a see, bit see that's normal. what we were kind of discussing this before but i feel like they could finish it and still just not open it that's true i forgot about that um the only other thing i, I had was covid but you said they've been doing it throughout covid so yeah. unless they've like really got a serious I don't know. Yeah, or like, I don't know if maybe transitioning from work inside to outside or outside to inside is Uh, like also, but I feel like work was still going on inside while stuff on hmm. the outside finished. I don't know. Um, The People Mover refurb has also been extended. That was supposed to be done, I believe it was said to be like January or like originally it was Christmas and then I think it got pushed back to February and I could be wrong, but I feel like it got pushed back again. So the People Mover has been closed for a little bit now. Now for some Marvel news. So WandaVision is wrapping up. Um, The last three episodes have yet to come out and I'm so excited for them. I'm so intrigued onto how this is going to end. And I will say, and not like no spoilers or anything, Mm. but if it doesn't answer like every question (laughs) that has been raised, I'm going to be so upset. Because I know that like Scarlet Witch is going to be in like, future marvel movies so i'm really afraid that they're going to keep stuff open to kind of be storylines in later movies and that makes me very nervous <laughs> like maybe not specific stuff like with what's going on in wandavision but i could feel like i don't know i'm yeah. nervous i've done a full katie 180 like she did on cars 3 on wandavision if you go back <laughs> don't listen to what i said about wandavision at the end of last episode because i think i said like i wasn't that excited uh i'm so glad i did not wait for all the episodes to come out because i couldn't avoid spoilers so i i think i after five dropped i watched all five and then this past week as of recording episode six has come out and i watched that when it the day it dropped so now i'm all caught up i'm obsessed like wandavision might be my all-time favorite marvel piece of media ever 
so it's really good obsessed. And I think that there's a lot of interesting discourse on the internet talking about the pros and cons of weekly releases versus mm. bingeable releases and it's been an interesting conversation um, to be had on the inter- internet I think yeah. um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier the first real trailer like there was a teaser trailer released last super bowl but the first real trailer was released this super bowl and we do have a date i believe march 21st is when it's supposed to drop so it seemed like the weeks will shake out to be maybe like two weeks in between wandavision when wandavision ends and falcon the winter soldier two or three weeks i believe and then the eternal so if people oh. aren't up to eight. Oh, sorry go ahead can i add just a couple things that i found out about falcon and winter soldier oh, yes. after we talked oh, that's right yes so we talked about it before we started recording and i was like didn't you hear that it's going to be rated r and she's like katie was like no i was like what i was like let me look into this because i don't know if i saw it on the internet like t- twitter or tiktok or something but uh, uh an article i just pulled up from cbr.com which i don't know what that is says that it's going to get rating for violence similar to daredevil so it's landed a tv rating for violence and coarse language similar to daredevil and game of thrones so this is not in the u.s it's like uh in europe or overseas it's been rated 16 plus which is the same rating as daredevil jessica jones and game of thrones um they're speculating that in the u.s it'll get like a tvma or something rating which like blew my mind because I didn't think Disney Plus was going to do that because in Hamilton, like the big thing was they cut out the F word a couple times in order to ensure a PG-13 rating. So anyway, I just like thought that was crazy. And then on the side of this article, it says something interesting. Oh, it's gone now. It changed. But it said something about Sharon Carter getting uh, her due in this show, which is interesting because that's something else Katie and I were talking about. Because I've been watching WandaVision, I rewatched Ultron and Civil War back to back and it reminded me how much I dislike Sharon Carter, which I don't think is her fault. I think it's the writer's fault, but I hope that her character gets redeemed because I dislike her in the movies a lot, so... Yeah, I'm very excited for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think it was really funny. I watched a couple of, like, trailer breakdowns, and um, for the most part, people were like, basically, Disney just tried its best. Disney slash Marvel tried its best to, like, distance Winter Soldier, or, sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier from WandaVision, because I think mm-hmm. a big complaint of WandaVision is, like, there's not very much action. It's not very high pace. Like, it is pretty slow pace. It has, like not more complex themes but it's just a completely different genre basically Mm. and so they were like shoving action down our throats in the falcon and winter soldier trailer and they're like don't worry guys it's like we're still marvel we will still have fight sequences that's Um, interesting i thought that was funny because i'm that's not a complaint of mine with wandavision but i can see why like coming from the mcu I'm just excited for banter because, like I said, I just watched <laughs> Civil War and, the like, in general, the banter in the movie is great, but, like, the banter between Falcon and Winter Soldier is, like, Sam and Bucky. It is very oh, good, yeah. Chef's kiss. Um, so the last kind of bit of Marvel news, again, like, if you aren't super up-to-date on Marvel news, you might not know about this, but the movie The Eternals was announced, like, maybe two Comic-Cons ago, or maybe mm. the la- most recent Comic-Con that, like, actually happened, <laughs> um, and it it's the one that has, like, the huge cast. Like, I think Angelina Jolie is in it, like, Gemma Chan is coming back in a different role, like, 
uh, what's his face? The guy who played Jon Snow. Oh, yeah. Kit Harrington is in it, like, just huge all-star cast, right? And it's been known, I guess, for the past couple months that, like, there is an Eternals trailer, like, polished, ready to go, completely done. And people are like, why didn't we get it? So a lot of people, including me, assumed that we were going to get the Eternal trailer during the Super Bowl because normally there's not just one. Like, last Super Bowl, there were, like, basically... I mean, I guess there were two spots because, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision, and Loki were kind of all one spot, but then there was a Black Widow spot as well. Um, so we still haven't seen the Eternals trailer, and I don't really know why. And then kind of the last little bit of news we have is Raya. Oh, sorry. Let me correct myself because I looked this up while you were talking. Falcon the Winter Soldier is dropping on March 19th, and so there's one week in between WandaVision premiere and finale and Falcon mm. and Winter Soldier. That's yeah. such good news because I'll be devastated when Twan Division's over. Yeah, so that, I believe, like, that's supposed to end March 1st. So then it'll be one week and then March 19th. So, lastly, we have Raya. And it is coming out real soon. Rebecca's already bought our premiere pass for our Disney Plus account. Yeah, so you can all ready to watch it. You can pre-purchase it, and I don't know why, because like I said, I haven't seen any trailer for this. But the other day, I just got so pumped and so excited about it. I think just because I was on Disney Plus watching WandaVision and I saw the the a banner for it, and I was like, oh man, it looks great. I don't want to know anything about it, but I've paid for our premiere access. I actually thought about going to the theaters to watch it but movie theaters are still not open where I am and you know I would have had to think about it anyway it wasn't a hundred percent but like I'm really excited for this movie so I would have considered it yeah um but anyway I bought a premiere access so we are good to go and ready to watch watch it when it drops March 5th Ooh. okay so also I was wrong I just said March 1st for WandaVision finale it's yeah. March 5th so <gasps> oh my god that's a gonna be like an amazing day well that weekend will be really good yeah yeah I don't think I could do it we'll see how I feel Friday after work but oh man that'll be so exciting exciting. all right another drum roll please because yeah that's it for news right we're good yep Katie just um did the random number generator for our next episode so drum roll please it's gonna be the Aristocats um, I don't even know what year that came out, but I assume the 70s, maybe the 60s, because it feels like that. Uh, so more of like a classic Disney movie, which it's been a while since we did one of those. Um, Snow White, I guess, was really the first and only one we did. So it'll be very fun to kind of look back at an older movie again, um, which means that uh, the cancel section will have mm-hmm. to become, unfortunately, a little bit more serious again, because I know for sure there's some racially insensitive um moments in this movie so (laughs) prepare yourselves for for that i am really excited to watch it i feel like it's been a hot sec since i've seen the aristocats um so i'm excited to have kind of another reason to watch it again because i really enjoy watching that movie i was gonna say i feel like this is one at least i watched a pretty good number of times because i feel like i know the movie pretty well Mm, so it'll be but yeah for sure it's been quite a while since i've watched it so it'll be really fun to see it again and and I'm excited to see what I don't remember because that's always really fun. And we'll be able to, that's actually, we'll actually have stuff to talk about this time. So, yeah. 
Um, so wrapping up, I hope you guys enjoyed our critique slash maybe it was just like our glowing review of Moana. <laughs> um, you can find us on social media. On Twitter, we are greatmovie underscore pod. And then on Instagram, we're greatmoviepod. You can also email us at any time with any critiques any things that you wish that we would add into the episodes maybe your own right ratings um some movies that you're excited about us getting to our email is greatmoviepod at gmail.com and you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts um including spotify apple podcasts and online at podbean make sure you subscribe so you don't miss our episodes they come out once a month and don't forget to rate and leave us a review Thank you guys so much. Have a magical day and we'll see you at the movies. Hooray!